1: I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio, the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. I am here with a still very ill, very sick, um, potentially, possibly on his deathbed, Rich Krej, I'm sure he'll be uh, hacking, wheezing, (laughs) uh, sucking snot, and, and making all sorts of horrible noises into the microphone again, which I'm sure repulsed. I'm so
0: sorry. I I try to mute because like Skype has their little mute thing and I and I try to do it as quick as possible, but sometimes these things just come or like in mid sentence I'll just have to start like hacking and and I can't help it. So Well here's
1: the here's the good news. Nobody listened to the show last week anyway because iTunes is a piece of shit (laughs) and and
0: do you wanna do wanna talk about that real quick? I do.
1: I do want to talk about that real quick because if you recall about a month ago, we buried the restaurant chain Genghis Grill for not having scallops on the buffet line. This is obviously a very strong media entity because, Rich, the next time I went to Genghis Grill, the scallops were back on the buffet line. At. So our listeners used the power of, uh, of their collective and got me my scallops back. I'm going to urge the listeners of this show. I, may, I have made a personal vow. I will never purchase an Apple product uh, for the rest of my days. I, am ne- I will never contribute because they're costing me money. And I'm getting sick and tired of iTunes. Look, things happen. There's some back-end issues. The problem is that I, they, they have, they've not responded well. We're getting robotic responses. They're not working on this issue. And I every time I look at the numbers for last week's podcast, I'm sickened. We're probably down 50 to 60% from the week prior. And these are big numbers, and it's costing us money. And I'm not doing shtick here. I'm sick of this.
0: No, no, we're dead serious. They, yeah, it's really been annoying. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, you know, because people don't realize there's people reaching out to us every day who think we haven't done a show in two weeks because they rely on this on the, uh, on the iTunes feed, which we have been, for some reason, removed from iTunes.
0: Yeah, just to give you a little background on that, uh, we, we found out that all of a sudden we, – we, there was about a month or so ago where we had some issue where uh, things weren't showing up on iTunes. It wasn't refreshing properly. We figured that out with our host, Audio Boom, which which I'll get to them in a little bit because this is it's an important part of this whole story as well. And for most people listening to this, you don't care because you're not on iTunes most likely. But if you've converted from iTunes, you've come from some other app program, or you're just downloading the show, however you're finding it. Just a little bit, a little bit of a background. As well, so then we find out about a week ago. Everyone's like, Hey, you guys, where'd you guys been? You know, I haven't seen you guys, you haven't been online, you know, there's nothing coming up through iTunes. Blah, blah, blah. So I look into it a little bit more and I get deep into the iTunes back end and stuff. and I see deleted, it says that we have been deleted. This podcast has been removed from iTunes. And I go, Oh, that's strange. I don't know what we did. They didn't send me an email. Nobody, you know, they didn't say, Hey, by the way, you know, we're going to delete you because of this, or Oh, a warning if you do this any more time, we're going to delete you. Like, I wasn't sure what it was. I have no idea. So I reached out to them and I said, well, Why are we deleted? What, what happened here? Uh, the response I get back is very vague. Uh, you know, hey, yo, give us this link or check this or do this. Or, I do th-. And I'm doing stuff. And by the way, like, we're like 45 emails deep w- with iTunes here. Just, just so people have an idea of how hard and how much we've been trying to work on this, uh, as well as our host, Audio Boom, which, uh, again, I'll get to them in a little bit because they're an important part of this whole story. So the more and more we get going and get going and get going, they go, oh, your feed didn't validate. Your feed didn't validate. That's the stock answer. Your feed didn't validate. Your feed didn't validate. So we go to Audio Boom. We go, hey, what's this issue or whatever? They they look at it. They have their techs look at it. They go, okay, here you go. Here's something that I think you guys maybe did wrong. Let's try it again. Your feed didn't validate. Your feed the same stock answer. We keep getting back from iTunes. Keep getting back from iTunes. Eventually we hear back and they go, okay, well, it, well, here's why it didn't validate. Here, here's here's this or this or whatever. So I show it to Audio Boom. Now Audio Boom all of a sudden goes, well, all of our podcasts have that exact same error. It's just a standard error that all the podcasts have. So now they're freaking out because unfortunately we're kind of the guinea pig of this, which kind of sucks. But they're looking at their end, and, and and by the way, if you don't know Audioboom, that, that they they host our podcast, but there's a number of other big time podcasts as well. And then MLW Radio Network is all on there. You know the, the the you know something to wrestle with, Ruth Pritchard's show on MLW, uh, the brand new Tony Giovanni show, the What Happened When, the really good stuff that Conrad does, and and Court Bauer, who's a, a longtime supporter of this site or whatever. They do a ton of stuff on Audible. That's theirs. Yeah.
1: you can't be some geek podcast on that site. Okay, no, that's what I mean. Like a Locked On
0: Network. Yeah, the Lockdown Network, I don't know if you're familiar with that. They do sports, basketball. They, they cover little beats here and there. There's, and that's just the sports and wrestling. Realm. That's just stuff that I listen to, let alone – I mean, a lot of stuff is on boom. It's a big deal. And they're, and, and so now they're, they... they're
1: selling all our ads.
0: Exactly, yeah, and they're do, and, and they're selling ads for all these other podcasts as well. So when you listen to, to Conrad and Bruce Pritchard talk about you know, you know, the, the different things that they're talking about, it's being sold by, by Boom. So it's a big deal. So, they, so, when a big down, so when
1: I'm down 50 60%, okay, I'm not happy about that. This is taking money no. out of our pockets. Okay? It is. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And we don't like to throw numbers out there because we don't like to give that stuff away so people don't know. Rich, we're we're going into five figures of downloads that were not that that were down this week from the week before.
0: Yeah. It's, have you looked it's, at it's it? Not pleasant. So it's I have. disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty pretty terrible. And, and what sucks is the amount of work we've been trying to do. So now Audio Boom then contacts them and goes, Okay, well hold up. Because if this happened with this podcast, are you then saying that all of our podcasts are gonna do this? And they get like a very stock answer back again. And now it's on. Like now we've unfortunately made Audio Boom very upset at iTunes. And now those two sides are fighting. And we're kind of the guinea pigs in the middle here. But the the conclusion is we're we're still working on it. We're still trying. We don't it's completely out of our hands. It's been out of our hands from the beginning as well. We're just trying to make it work. And and from Audio Boom's end, they're trying to make it work so that we're the only one. I mean, it kind of sucks that we're the, you know, kind of the sacrificial lambs here. But they want to make sure that all those podcasts don't get lost, too. That MLW Radio just doesn't get deleted. And that all these things in the Locked On Network and, 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 and a number of podcasts that you love and, and probably listen to in addition to our podcast don't get removed. So it kind of sucks that, we're again, we're the sacrificial land, the guinea pigs, whatever you want to say. Um, but, yeah, it's a bigger issue now than just simply our podcast, quote-unquote, being deleted. So it, it sucks. We're doing all we can. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Please don't tweet at us. We're aware of the issue. We know all we can say. Um, A when we get back, we're gonna make everybody give us reviews on iTunes. So we just screw, go all the way up on there. Maybe we'll we'll make our title fuck iTunes, and then make them you know everybody review us. So we go to the top of their their leaderboards or whatever. But more than that, I would say get. There's so many podcast apps out there. I haven't used iTunes in in, in probably five years for anything. I use Downcast. I use Overcast are the two podcast apps I use. People use Pocket Cast. Well, Rich, Um, I
1: could probably give you to the number exactly how many of our people use iTunes (laughs) based on the number of people who did not listen to the podcast last week. So the the, the fact of the matter is about 60% of our listeners are are obviously getting us off of iTunes. Uh, because that's the chunk that we're missing. And that was the Royal Rumble review. So that, in theory, should have been a, a show that was at least equal to the week before, if not done better numbers. It should have done better numbers than the week before, realistically. That's one, that would be one of the five biggest shows we do, I would think, over the course of the year. So uh, it's very frustrating. You are way too diplomatic. I'm telling everybody uh, to, to – listen. If you've gotten around this and you're an iTunes guy and, and, and you've gotten around it and you're listening to the show some other way, stick with that other way. Just go to, the, to our damn audio boom page and do direct downloads or use one of these services that Rich is talking about because this is outri- – and again, it's the way they're handling this with their robotic responses. They don't give a shit. They don't care that you're not getting these shows. That, look, and our listeners will come back. Okay? I'm not worried about our listeners, but it's, it's, it's absolute bullshit. That, you know, Music of the Mat and Burning Spirits and Open the Voice Gate and, and all of these other shows. Shake them ropes, their listeners will come back. I'm not worried about McCarran and Hawkins either. But these other shows that had positive momentum and we're getting them off the ground and they're gaining a listener base. And now those it, it, all these shows are not appearing on anybody's feeds either because we've been deleted. And it, it, it makes me sick. It's disgusting. So fuck Apple. Fuck iTunes. Don't use them anymore. Don't bite our products. Good luck with that. No one's going to listen. It's one thing to ask for scalps to be put back on the uh, – but, but try <laughs> to get the, try to pry these iPhones out of people's dead cold hands. That's never going to work. But uh, but it, 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 I'm so frustrated with this. Yeah,
0: and we're, we're doing – and the problem too is we're, it's like days between emails. Like fix this. Okay, here's the quick fix. And then I don't hear from them from – because I'm on there all the time. I mean I, they will email me and within five minutes I have done whatever they've said and emailed them back. And then I wait a day and a half to hear anything back. And that's why it's taken two weeks at this point because it's like I'm doing everything I can. Audioboom is doing everything. They can, but then iTunes, you know, and it's not like it's just this one. I mean, we've heard from a few different people at iTunes and or Apple or whatever, and it, we're just getting like horrible responses back, no responses, vague things, copy and pastes of, of things they've already told us to do, and we're doing all we can. And I, I don't know anything short of just starting a new feed. I don't know even you know like if that's going to be a problem again too. So I don't know what the hell to do. But I, I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic. We're trying to be, you know, get this going along. But we're now in two weeks, and 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 it really sucks. And yeah, like you said, it it, it doesn't really affect. us, I mean, it affects us a lot. But it doesn't affect us at the same level that it does those other podcasts that you were talking about. Like us, it, two or three years ago, if this happened, people would people would just say, Okay, these guys stopped doing podcasts. I don't care anymore. I think now people realize that we're kind of established that we do this all the time. That that it's a thing. We've been doing it for five years now. We're not going away. But I don't want people to think that, oh, that music on the mat, they had one episode, and it was really cool, but they never came back. Oh, that Burning Spirits, oh, that was really cool, they were doing a lot of cool stuff, Ah, oh, they never came back. Or, you know, Open the Voice Gate, oh, cool, they did their rewards, and now they're just done. I don't want anybody to think that those podcasts stop recording, stop doing episodes, stop doing it, because we're still doing all these things. We've stayed on our same schedule, but it just sucks, because, yeah, so it, it, I really do hope that it, it, if you are listening to this, you know... But uh, if you have people that you see people on feeds or, you know, you have friends or whatever, please let them know. Just try these other means. There's so many other podcast apps out there that work reliably that don't delete you out of nowhere. So definitely go out there and seek that out. But, uh, yeah, it it sucks because that's a huge, huge chunk of our listener base. So I'll tell you what else you should seek out,
1: Rich. Valentine's Day is just a few days away, but it's not too late to send beautiful artisan designed arrangements from Bloom That Show that special person in your life that you really care about them with beautiful flowers arranged by a designer picked right before you order. Don't be tricked by the fancy promotions that other big flower companies who throw in hidden fees, surcharges, Ugh. Ugh. or they replace your roses with carnations. Oh, God, the worst. You pay for roses. You should get roses. Okay? Especially
0: on Val- Can you imagine a bouquet of carnations on Valentine's but Day? But this
1: happens, Rich.
0: Could you imagine?
1: This is a real thing. Hey, honey, here you go. Now, if you're me, you buy the carnations and try to pass them off as roses.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know the difference. I'm Jolanta. But
1: if you're paying for roses, Rich, you should get roses. And if you order roses from Bloom That, you're getting roses. It's Valentine's Day. Give them the best. You got to give them Bloom That. Bloom That is already a great value, but we have an exclusive offer just for our listeners and for this week only, Valentine's Valentine's Day week only. The best price on a gorgeous bouquet – just picked, hand designed, and Instagram ready because you know, listen, Rich, you know these these girls are gonna put it all over the Instagram. Okay, these routers are Instagram ready. Bloom that will throw in a premium designer vase and immediately take fifteen percent off of their already low prices. You can only get this exclusive deal by going to our link, bloomthat.com/vow. That's B L O O M T H A T slash V.O.W. to find the perfect handcrafted designer flowers, premium vase, and the immediate 15% discount this Valentine's Day. Days away, Rich. Once again, that's bloomthat.com slash V.O.W. I think, Rich, we have to start with New Beginning in Sapporo. The somewhat divisive main event. I know you Mm -hmm. were somewhat cold on the match. I enjoyed it to a point – you know, it's weird. I, I, I enjoyed the match a lot actually, but it, it's weird because I had a, a, several different problems with the match. But at the end of the day, it was a hard match for me to rate because even though I had several problems with the match, I, as, as, as a total package, I still really enjoyed it. And I loved a lot of the things they did. Uh, so I couldn't, I, I, I
0: couldn't bury it. I, I, it, it's, it was, a unique match in a lot of ways. Cause it was very different than anything we've really seen from new Japan, like a main event of a new Japan show in, in years. I mean, it, it's been a long time since we saw something that was like this. It wasn't an Epic. I mean, you know what I mean? Like most times we get on here and we talk about this, especially in Okada match or versus, you know, whether it be a Tanahashi or even, even past matches he had with Suzuki or whatever. And it's always the epic. Oh, Okada had this great epic, and it was the Omega match. I mean, that's, that's an epic match. That's the best way to describe that. But this was not that. This was something entirely different. So it was kind of, you kind of had to rejigger your, your mind a little bit when you're watching this. of Kind of like, okay, this is, this is not what I'm used to seeing. This is a very different match, a very structured uniquely than any other big-time New Japan main event that I, I can recall really in the what we call the quote-unquote Okada era, right? Can you really think of another match that was similar to this in the main event slot that was worked in this sort of style, which is, you know, a Bayface just getting destroyed, destroyed by the heel. And, like, we don't get that. I mean, it, it it's usually just kind of a neck and neck, you know, there's guys getting advantage here, guy getting advantage here, you know, then they kind of do a comeback, then this guy, or they hit their finisher. That None of that was in this match. This is Minoru Suzuki destroying Okada, and Okada getting in barely, barely, being able to beat him at the end. I mean, I, I cannot recall a single match with this style that New Japan's had in... in in years. Uh
1: no, when when you put it that way, no. I don't think there's a match that had this kind of structure. Um it 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 was a unique match from that point of view. Um and look, it's it was Minoru Suzuki, I, I thought, who was at his absolute this is peak Minoru Suzuki. You know, he had some matches in Noah that were very good, and he had some matches in Noah which felt like they were just endless. And 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 just um, just excessively long, and and they weren't so good. And
0: some people thought this match was that though, they, which was interesting to see the the, the deci- <clears throat> Sorry, uh, the decisiveness on Twitter because there were people that thought that as well. Divisiveness
1: is what you meant yeah. to say. Um, so definitely, yeah, definitely not decisiveness. Um,
0: <laughs> no, you're right. But
1: but uh, but yeah, I mean, okay. So from my point of view, I thought Suzuki's performance was was excellent. I thought this is is. You know, when you get this maniacal, diabolical monster, which he is, and he's so great at at, at conveying that sort of character, and I thought the work matched it this time. Um, just, just you know, obsessively going after Okada's leg after he attacked it at the press conference, and attempting basically just to to maim the leg and rip it off. I thought uh, so, and I thought a lot of the um, reversals and counters that you know where they ended up right back into that leg lop leg lock were just brilliantly done because there were, you know, there were several points in the match where you're like, okay, finally Okada is going to get some momentum going and whatever he's going to do here isn't, but there was Suzuki again, just rolling back into that knee bar and that's what made this so compelling to me. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, you know, obviously any, you know, it's getting so tiresome, any match that's built around leg work, it just gets so tiresome because, you have, uh, you know, a certain pocket of people who just it, nothing is ever good enough with with selling these legs. I mean, it it just it it it's just so tiresome even arguing against it anymore. Um, the the bottom line here when it comes to to the legwork and and when it comes to Okada's performance.
0: Not to not to interrupt, but did you see a, a quote that Kenny Omega put? Oh, quotes? man,
1: you stole my thunder. Yes, I
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Man, I apologize. Man, I, I was, <laughs> I'll just go back into my I was, hole. So. No, I was going to go right. To I'll the, just go back so. and cough in, in no, the mute I, land. You, so. I
1: want you to get that ready and read it because I thought that was okay. a great quote.
0: I'll go mute and cough and get it ready. So.
1: But – but yeah, but I mean as far as, as when it comes to selling a leg, I mean the only thing that matters – there's some people where it's just – it's unbelievable. It, it, we talk about it any anytime there's a leg match and nothing's ever good enough for, for, for a certain segment of fans, I really don't know what they expect. But what it really comes down to for me and the only thing that matters when you're selling a leg is have you convinced me that it's damaged? I don't care how you accomplish that. I don't care what means you use to accomplish that, whether it's through facial expressions, whether it's through – um, uh, you know, uh, limping on the leg at every chance you get, or or if it impedes the offense that you're performing, or whether that means you can't stand at all, and whether that means uh, you can't put any way. I don't care what you do to achieve that goal of convincing me that that not even necessarily a leg, that that limb is damaged. As long as you convey it somehow, and I do think that there's some people that that there's they, they feel as though there's only one way to convey that, and that's to uh, uh, that That limb has to be completely taken out of the match to the point where you know you, you, i mean and i 'm not even exaggerating there 's people who get annoyed that a wrestler will run on a leg that 's been worked on uh regardless of what else they do in the match to put over the damage if they run the ropes. Or climb a turnbuckle. All of a sudden, it, you know, it, it, they're the worst worker ever, and they and they don't know how to sell a limb effectively, which is total bullshit. Because there's more than one way to skin a cat. And what I'm getting around the saying here is, I thought Okada was excellent in selling the leg in this match. Mm-hmm. Did I? Did I think it was the greatest exhibition of leg selling of all time? No, I did not. Although I will say. A few days later in Cork and Hall in the elimination match was one of the best exhibitions of selling a leg that I've ever seen. His performance in that elimination match was right up there with the with the performance I always point to, Rich. You know where I'm going. Chris Masters yeah. on superstars against Drew McIntyre, which to, this, to that point is, is the best selling of a leg I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, well, what's actually kind of fun about that—not not to kind of get completely off topic onto this—but uh, one thing that I've always loved about about selling and pro wrestling or whatever is—and this comes again—I come from a sport background. and That's gonna be the thing that, that with this Kenny Omega quote. Which, by the way, uh, Joe, for for your purposes, because I, God forbid, I actually speak a full paragraph without coughing, I put it in our show notes as well—the uh, the, the full quote, so you can uh, you can read I, that. That's but, Rich's uh...
1: way of saying, Joe, we don't want <laughs> to talk a lot, so you read it. But go-
0: yeah, there you go, exactly. But um, no, the, the thing that I always love about about selling and pro wrestling is I feel like it's important that next day almost more than it is in that match and I know that's very important to some people that in the match you got to sell in the match you got to convey what's going on or whatever but we know and and anybody who's played a sport knows anybody who's had injuries or has done physical things and knows what it's like is when you're doing that sport a lot of times I mean I can't tell you how many times I played entire games of basketball on a really rolled ankle and said fuck it I'll worry about it tomorrow I'll worry about when I take my shoe off I'm, You know, it happens five minutes into a game and, and, and I'm not going to go out of the game. I'm not going to stop playing because this happened. It's just, you know, it happens. It, or or you don't even notice it. Or the next day you wake up and go, oh, geez, my back is killing me. Oh, geez, my my quads are on fire. Like, it, it doesn't matter. You can run a marathon and, and have the same thing. While you're in the moment, while you're running, you maybe don't feel that same pain. The shin splints don't hurt as much. But, man, the next day when you wake up or or, or when you sit down and you get up, that's when it hurts. That's when it really gets at you. And I think that's something that I've always... You know, really looked at when people complain about selling, you know, in the match itself, I think there's a certain level to do it. Of course, there's there's there's, you know, a way to sell that that conveys it. That's not necessarily I can't use my leg ever again and oh, my God, it's done or whatever. But I think it's really important then the next day to follow up or the next big event or the next match or whatever, the next visual of your character to then show the the aftermath of that. Because in my mind, you have Okada running on pure adrenaline in this match. You know, he's at the very limits of his body, and you can see it, too. And that was one of the great parts about his selling throughout this entire match is is, is, is Gato knows it. The ref knows it. Okada knows it, too, but he's he's not going to give up. And everyone's like, all right, just give up, man. It, it, forget it. It's not worth it. And the announcers did a great job, too. I was listening to uh, uh, Callison and, and Kelly on the uh, English feed, and they're like... You know, the the, the classic example of, well, you have so much more to live for. I mean, is it worth winning this one match, Ocat, and destroying your leg? Like, just tap out. It's a classic, you know, that's a classic sports MMA type thing where, you know, how how long do you want to go through this and how long do you want to damage yourself or do you just want to tap out and get it over with and and, and live to fight another day? So I thought he did a great job with that, but then the follow-up was fantastic as well. I mean, that is really, to me, the most important part of selling is the next time, the next time when the adrenaline's out and you're walking down that ramp after the match, Going, God damn, my knee hurts. That that to me is so much bigger and so much more important than what happens. You know, if you run the ropes ten minutes after being in a leg lock. To me, that that that's irrelevant because adrenaline's a thing and, Provi- and all this. Yeah. Well,
1: provided that you get over the idea that, that yeah, exactly, missing, which which, which yeah, I feel oh yeah, did. Yeah.
0: Um, oh, absolutely. No, and we're, we're not condoning no – I mean, quote, unquote, no selling. We're not saying, you know, get – you know, your leg worked a bunch of times then throw a sweet chin music and do a backflip and do – you know. No, we're not saying that. But, like, when it's this nitpicky stuff about, oh, kind running the ropes or, or using his leg to, to do a drop kick or whatever, you, you're allowed to do that when your knee hurts. Uh, you know, I'm allowed to play basketball even though my ankle's killing me. You listen, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. How many but... times <laughs>
1: have you watched an NBA game or an NFL game and, you know, there's a timeout and, and... – The player limps off the floor at that point. The
0: the center from the Atlanta Falcons was playing playing with a broken fibula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could see it; it was taped up, wrapped up, and he couldn't move it. He was lugging it around and going, "Hike, all right, boom," and like playing really well for like. About
1: Steph Curry in the entire NBA playoffs last year, right? You know, especially after he took that (laughs) bump in the. Remember, he took that bump in the finals where he he ended up. He did like the split basically on the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then for the rest of that series, basically he limped off the floor every time there was a timeout, but then you know, while the ball was in play, you didn't, you, couldn't, you didn't know he was hurt. Now look, and I know there's people screaming saying, okay, but this is pro wrestling. This isn't real sports. I get that. But again, as long as they convey – look, Okada, I could run down the list of things that he did in this match that were great. I mean, first of all, uh, Minoru Suzuki threw him into the ropes at one point. And he just collapsed under his own weight and didn't come off the ropes, which was a tremendous spot. Uh, there was a spot where um, – uh, okay, so there were times where he, where Okada would do moves – Okay, uh, That involved his leg, and then he could not follow up on Suzuki as he normally could in a, in a normal match because the leg wouldn't allow him either to rise to his feet or get to Suzuki in time. There were several spots like that. Um, he, one of, when he finally hit the Rainmaker on Suzuki... And this was a brilliant spot too, because he didn't have the same power underneath him with the leg. the Rainmaker was so weak that he that, that it, it didn't nearly do the damage that it normally does exactly yeah yeah you know, so there were several examples of excellent selling. it's like of next level selling really. And, and here's the other thing, too. Here's how you know they got over the idea. And first of all, and I haven't even touched his facial expressions, his, his screams like he was trapped in a dungeon somewhere and being tortured. I mean, he couldn't have sold it any better with the facial expressions and, and, and with his mannerisms and with his just death screams that he was wailing out. And here's how you know that, that, that the psychology of this match was sound and that they got over the idea of the leg damage. Rich, you did not watch live. I did. I also had a friend here watching the match with me, uh, a, a, a very, you know, quote, unquote, smart fan. He knows the deal.
0: He, <laughs> Is he an accurate Star Raider? He's an
1: accurate Star Raider.
0: Oh, OK. good. He came
1: into this match like everybody else, thinking that, you know, like, well, well, like a lot of people, not ever. I shouldn't say everybody thinking that Okada was going to get through this match uh, with the title and move on to, you know, whether it was Naito or, or Omega or whatever. Rich, halfway through this match, both of us, two grown men who came into this match thinking Okada was going to win, thought that the, it was going to be a ref stoppage. And why, why did we think that, Rich? Because Okada did such a poor job selling the If he did a poor job selling the leg, we wouldn't have been convinced that the match right. was going to end. And watching live on Twitter and following via Twitter, there were tons of people who were convinced Suzuki was going to win the title who before the match thought Okada was a lock based on the work of the match. Listen, people, that means that the work was great. That means that they got over the idea of the leg damage if they convinced people that look, Suzuki... That is what pro wrestling is! It's trying to convince... It, they, 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 they got this stuff over. They got everything over. The story they were trying to tell in this match got over with people because the work was great. It, it doesn't matter that Okada threw a fucking dropkick. Would, would it have been better if he didn't throw the dropkick? Maybe, but like you just said, to, uh, you know, five minutes, it's a nitpicky thing. Sure, I would have preferred if he went up for the drop kick and maybe didn't get up as high as usual, or if uh, you saw him maybe not able to do the drop kick because of that, or if he did his little neck breaker on the other leg instead of the leg that was worked on the whole match, which by the way, after he did that move, he then sold the leg like shit, what an idiot I am for doing it on that leg. And that was one of the moves he could not follow up on that I talked mm-hmm. about earlier. There was so much great selling and so much great psychology in this match that to nitpick these little things, again, you don't have – to listen, I'm not going as far as Dave Meltzer said it was like the preeminent sell job of the century and it's, it's just a, a landmark match when it comes to selling. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's essentially – sort. I don't necessarily agree with that. I thought Okada did an excellent job and there were little things that bother me. But overall, that's such that, – that's nitpicky stuff, man. Overall, big picture – I thought Okada did an excellent job here. I thought Suzuki did an excellent job here. Um, but there were little things I was in love with. Rich, I know one thing in particular. Okay, let me read the Omega quote before we move on yeah, to yeah. selling. Here's what Omega had to say about uh, selling, and I quote.
0: This is from Vice Sports, by the way.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of people coming into professional wrestling with a clean slate. They've never done anything. They just, they've just had the genetics to build a good body, but they've never felt the pain and the struggle like a real competitive athlete would feel in another sport. So they don't know exactly how to sell a leg. Uh, end quote. This is the first part of the quote Omega. Now for a little background, he was a junior hockey player. So this is where he's right. getting
0: any, he, a pretty big deal, pretty big deal in junior hockey. Well.
1: Yes. And he's had uh, several knee surgeries as well for a little more background. And I quote, they're being taught this professional wrestling way by these old guys who also didn't have any sort of sports background as to how to sell a leg. I feel like when you sell that way, you come across looking like a professional wrestling fan that became a professional wrestler rather than someone who takes pride in their work. I would rather not insult the intelligence of real athletes that might be watching what we do. End quote. Basically what Omega is saying here is the over-exaggerated limb selling that a lot of these fans want to see is bullshit and he feels it's insulting to real athletes. He feels it's insulting to him. He feels it's insulting to the viewer to sell limbs in those exaggerated ways where the limb is just completely incapacitated.
0: Yeah, he says in a little bit of background, this is from the Vice Sports artist, so when, you know, needless to say, a former goalie knows a thing or two about knee pain, as his past two operations can confirm. Uh, so when Omega is, quote, selling a leg injury, he doesn't simply grab his limb and grimace the way a standard, pro fair, a standard fair pro wrestler might. Instead, he goes to the ring apron or the middle rope, and he tries to stretch it. Not unlike the way Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender Ben Bishop tried in the middle of the 2015 Stanley Cup Final. So,
1: And here's my point here. Circle all the way back to my first point about the selling, there is more than one way to do this there is more i 'm listen i 'm not selling i 'm not saying that exaggerated limb selling is necessarily bad. I appreciate that as much as the next guy what i 'm saying is and what I said at the beginning of this diatribe it doesn 't matter how you accomplish it. All that matters is that you convey to the viewer that that limb is in danger and and any way that you arrive at that. It, it, it really it doesn't it doesn't matter how you get to that point, just get there. If Kenny Omega wants to sell it the way that a real athlete would sell it, as long as he can convey the idea that that limb is damaged, he has done his job. I feel like Okada more than more than did his job on this night, because he fooled a lot of people into thinking that that Suzuki was going to win this match. And look, Suzuki had a lot to do. With it. Suzuki's a great pro wrestler. Yeah. Okay, he had a lot to do with it too.
0: Yeah, nobody conveys like danger, a methodical danger quite like. You, you know, it's not a it's not a wild animal like danger that some guys do, but it's very much like a methodical. Like like this guy just knows how to destroy you. You know, mentally and physically, and that's absolutely what Suzuki did in this match.
1: And let's be completely honest. There's also a segment of people, a small segment of people, who simply don't like Okada, and they're just going to look for things to focus on. And t- those are the kind of people. That's just noise. You just if if that annoy. I see a lot of people getting worked up. Just you can't listen to that. Okay, these are people who just aren't being fair. They don't like the guy, and they you know, and selling. I, like I've always said, selling is the red herring, man. If you don't like a, a promotion or a wrestler or or. or, or people participating in a match, whatever the case may be, the easiest way to take that down is to pick – I could pick on selling in any match. You show me a pro wrestling match, I will show you issues with selling. It's the easiest thing to pick on. It's the low-hanging fruit, and a lot of times people use that as their red herring to disguise uh, you know, their, their, their bigger picture goal, which is just either tearing down a wrestler or a promotion. Now, I'm not saying – that it wasn't valid to have some selling issues with this match. Some of the issues I had with this match, Rich. Number 1, I thought the 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 really long leg, uh, knee bar spot, you know the one I'm talking about after Gato was taken out. Um there was a there was a long knee bar spot where Gato threatened to throw in the towel. I thought that spot was incredible. I thought the camera work was incredible. You had Taichi encouraging Gato to throw the towel.
0: Yeah, the, the yeah. camera
1: was sort of over the Taichi Owen Hart shoulder. roll. Yeah,
0: the perfect Owen Hart roll right there. And, and
1: yeah, and it was just such a great visual with that camera shot over Taichi's shoulder, egging Gato on to throw in the towel. That spot was great. It was the really long extended one after that, after Suzuki took out Gato on the floor, because now Okada's locked in this knee bar and Gato's not there to save him. Okay, and that was the. And Don Callis did a great job getting that over. Kevin Kelly, who I thought was great all night was terrible during this match, in my opinion. And he was terrible during that long knee bar spot. There was no emotion in his voice. He wasn't putting over the severity of, this, of the situation that uh, uh, Okada was in. No vo- he, he, his emotions didn't change at all. And that was the key spot in the match. I'm, I'm thinking maybe if I saw this spot, if I was watching in Japanese, I wouldn't have disliked it as much as I did. But I just thought it was egregiously long to the point where it was like, okay, this is overkill. Because now, it, 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 he's been in this knee bar far too long. But, I, but I, again, I didn't watch the Japanese version. They were probably just going mental like they always do, and it probably added drama to it. Whereas Kevin Kelly just completely, with his lack of emotions, took and, and, it, and it almost felt like Don, Callis got it and Kelly didn't. The idea was there's no Gato to save him. But I did think that that spot was a little long. Another problem I had with the match was the Suzuki gun run-in. Now, I know that they got thwarted very quickly, and the idea was to show that Okada was able to fight them off and that his pals came down to help him out and that this wasn't and, – and that was to establish that, no, this is not going to be one of those Minoru Suzuki uh, sort of matches where he gets away with murder. Chaos was going to make sure they were going to take care of that, and this was going to be between these. I get it, I understand the purpose of the spot. I didn't hate it from that perspective. But here's my problem. At the point that that run-in occurred, the match was on the verge of becoming an all-time classic in my opinion. Yeah, It was was right there on the verge of becoming great. And I actually turned to my friend and said, oh, could the timing have been worse for this run-in? If they were insistent on doing that spot to establish that story, which I don't really have a problem with, it should have been way earlier in the match. I felt like that really killed a lot of the great momentum that they were building in the match.
0: My my criticisms of the match were, and and full disclosure, as you said, I watched it. Not live. I watched it a few days later. And I watched it spoiled, which I think really... And when I was done and I I was kind of going through Twitter accounts and and reading what people thought of it, I was surprised that as many people liked it as they did because I was kind of like, eh, it was fine. Like, it was okay. I didn't really think it was like an all-time classic. And I really do think that the difference in this particular match, we talk about all the time, but there are some matches that that are fine watching a week later, two months later, you know, years later, whatever. And there's some matches that if you're not there in the moment can radically change how you think of a match it can radically alter your excitement level of match radically alter you know what your takeaways of the match were i went into this match knowing okada won so for me even though i really appreciate the work and, and for me the long leg spots were not an issue e- either one of them i enjoyed because again like okada was doing such a great job of conveying the pain and, and 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 making me even though i knew he won think oh geez wow he really looks but at no point did my brain say okay maybe Okada does lose it. Maybe I read this wrong and Okada does lose. You know what I mean? I can never separate that. So when I'm watching this, knowing that Okada is going to get out of it anyway, and me, again, waiting for when that finish is going to come, me saying, okay, I know Okada is going to win. He's in this leg lock. How does he get to this finish now? How does he get to this next step? Then when I saw what what, what happened with how he got to the next step, for me it was all way too fast for Okada to get back, you know, after, what, 35 minutes, or, or I think literally 35 minutes of, of his leg being destroyed, Okada just kind of, in the last five minutes, just goes, goes, goes. You know, of course, as you said, he's, he's selling the leg while he's doing this, but he basically just, out of nowhere, gets going, gets his momentum back, and then it wins, and it's over. And I felt like that the end was just way too quick for what had been just an epic struggle, and I thought Okada needed a little bit more of a struggle, and I think I thought Suzuki needed to show a little bit more in Okada's comeback, to prove, no, 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 I have the advantage in this match. You might, you, you, might be getting this flurry right here, and you might be doing a little bit right here, but I, I have been beating you down for 35 minutes. I'm not tired either, because there's really no reason that Suzuki should be all that tired or, or all that. You, you know, he's pretty fresh in this situation. He's just been kind of working around and, and laughing and, and giggling and sticking his tongue out and, and just kind of playing with this kid. So I thought that would have been a little bit better if, if they had more of a back and forth at the end. If, if Suzuki had then, you know, in the middle of Okada's comeback, gotten his own little comeback to say no, 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 I'm still, and then maybe Okada then pulls it out or whatever, but I thought it was just all too fast, I thought it was just way too quick of of an Okada finish, and it felt to me and this isn't a one-on-one comparison, so so people don't get mad or whatever, but often we see this in WWE. It's the, the classic big-time main event babyface thing of WWE where beat down, beat down, beat down, okay, Superman punch, pin, done. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't like it when WWE does it, and I didn't really like it when New Japan did it here, though they did it a little bit different. And again, it's not a one-on-one comparison, but when it was over, I had that same feeling of like, geez, Okada, you know, it was dead for 35 minutes. And then in five minutes, he's okay, and he wins. And, and I thought that was just a little too much for me. I, I I didn't like that. And I'm not saying Suzuki had to win, but I think there were ways to do it where it would have been a little bit better. And, and, and full disclosure, again, like I said, I knew Okada was going to win. So I think that, that does alter how I thought of the match as well.
1: Yeah, I would think coming into the match, knowing Okada wins would completely destroy a match like this because then there's zero drama in, in the long knee bar spots, which is really what the match was all about. I mean, if you take away the drama of those long knee bar spots and whether... And whether the referee is going to end it, or whether Okada is going to tap, uh, because in real time, the referee and Okada and Suzuki were so good in those moments. Yeah. But that is taken away from you if you watch the match spoiled. Mm-hmm. So
0: And and I enjoyed the, the 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 performance of that. You you know what I mean? Like that here's where I kind of take away from the match, and this is why I probably have a different feeling than a a lot of people, or at least people that watch it live, is is I thought they did a fantastic job of that spot. And I'm thinking it from a performance level, but I don't have that same drama level. I know Okada's gonna get out of this leg lock. I know Okada is gonna win. So while I can appreciate how cool it looked to have Gato with his, you know, with that towel nearly throwing it in and Okada telling him no, 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 and, and, and him grabbing the rope and the camera work and all that, so I can appreciate all that, but I don't have it on that same level that people watching it live might've went, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't have that, the rollercoaster of emotions at all. I'm just saying, Oh, that's cool. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, that's really cool. That's cool. And that's a whole different feeling. That's a whole different takeaway from the match.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I know when I was done watching this, it, it was, it was, I struggled with, cause I did review this for the site and I did struggle putting a star rating on this because I knew what I watched was great. I knew that I was watching two great individual performances with the two wrestlers but there were like those two key things that I did not like about the match uh, that definitely took it down. And I really struggled uh, with rating it. I mean, because once it, it's, it's, you know, I wanted to go like four and a quarter, but I, I felt it was a little better than that. But I didn't think it was four and a half because now you're bordering on match of the year territory. And I don't think it was a match of the year contender. Um, it, it's like I wanted to go like four and two fifths, Rich. And, uh, but there's nothing, there's nothing stopping you. Go. you know, if Dave Meltzer could throw out six, can I throw out four Yeah, right. Fifths? Exactly. Exactly. Yes you, so, yes, you can. Yes, uh, you can. Know, you know, next time this happens, I'm going four and two fifths. Okay. <laughs> because I think I put four and a half on it, but I, I don't feel like it was four and a half, but I think it was better than four and a quarter. I need to, I think I need to invent four and two fifths, but, uh, but yeah, overall very enjoyable, very unique. Wasn't the match I was expecting, but maybe with Minoru Suzuki, you know, you know, he had that great match with uh, Tanahashi with zero near falls. So uh, several years ago in 2012. So he's just such a unique pro wrestler. He's really great. I mean, Suzuki is really great. I mean, we all kind of forgot that because we were tired of the Noah run, but we were more tired of the booking than we were him necessarily. And really, they phased him out in year two. I mean year 2 of the Noah run he wasn't the guy. Was, well he was in the undercard. I mean
0: right. he was just kind of toiling away doing whatever. I mean it, it was fun what he was doing but yeah it was it was completely It different.
1: was Takeshi Segura that was the that was the pushed right. uh, title uh, contender of the group. And he exactly he was phased down. He was working with Kiyomiya Mia and people like that and and I think we 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 forget how how great Minoru Suzuki is and how I mean he can he the thing about him is he can work he could be great for a number of years moving forward because his style, you know, he doesn't take big bumps ever. And his style is based around submission holds and leg locks and knee bars and setting up the gotch pile hmm. driver and and there's really no reason why he can't stay healthy enough and, and, and be a great pro wrestler in this style for a number of years moving forward. And 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 I think that the NOAA run uh, because we were all tired of the booking uh, in the Noah run, that maybe and, and for the fact that the second half of that Noah run, he was kind of downplayed. And Takeshi Segara was the title contender of Suzuki Gun, and Suzuki was on the undercards, you know, fucking around with Kiyomiya and people like that. They he really was only a main focus there the first year of that Noah. That second year of that Suzuki Gun invasion, he was sort of down on the card. So you know, this this is a great pro wrestler that maybe we've. We've forgotten was great until, you know, I, I know he had some pretty good matches in Noah, but nothing like this. And, uh, well, maybe not in your opinion. Rich, you gave this – what you
0: – I went three. I went three with this I, one. And, again, like I said, I, I think the entire difference was me not watching it live because I appreciated the the, the performance of it. and I did all that, but I, I didn't have the same emotion. And when it was over, I kind of was like, all right, it's fine, but – I just, yeah, I, I really couldn't go any more than
1: three. Aside from the two great performances between the two individuals, I think there were a bunch of spots in this match that I thought really took it over the top. Number one, how about when Okada went for the Gotch-style tombstone? When he yeah,
0: game? that was pretty sweet. Yeah.
1: And how about uh, the other spot, which I thought for sure you would bring up, and I gave you a chance, but you didn't, so I'm going to bring it up. When, <laughs> when he, he used the Rainmaker, but it was really weak because he was all his legs were all fucked up, and he held on onto Suzuki's wrist, calling back to the two Tanahashi matches. But then when they got to their feet, Suzuki just punched him in the face to break it up, which I thought...
0: Was- yeah. Well, what's interesting about that, too, and I, and I guess my kind of th- my thought with the end of this match as well, and I guess we can get, kind of get a little bit big picture if we want, but um, my thoughts were this was a performance... Where Okada really didn 't look like the dominant figure in this one, you know he looked like he 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 was caught off guard by by Suzuki returning and Suzuki gun returning and, and Suzuki beating him up at the press conference and taking out his knee then and then the approach that Suzuki took in this match I think he was all caught by surprise with all of it and what was interesting too and and somebody I believe on our forums mentioned this that the really cool spot too and this is why it's so important to do big moments and big things like this and 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 this rich the wrist clutch because what now he can do is is every time that he does that everybody's going to look at that and go okay and what's going to happen is the moment when someone just just reaches down and slaps his wrist off and then does their move and pins him is going to be such a big deal you know what i mean because that's what has saved him so many times now as okada has been down and out or or you know, maybe there was a chance that this guy could get away, but he held onto that wrist, and then he destroyed him. And and Suzuki, in a way, you know, he punched out of it, which was really cool, and I enjoyed that. It's not quite the same. I think there's going to be a huge moment. I don't know when it's going to be, but when, when when Okada grabs someone's wrist, and then they just swat it away, and then hit whatever move it is, whoever it is that defeats him, that's going to be such an incredible moment. It's because they have built that up, because they built it up that this is one of his things, that Okada does this, and uses this, and utilizes this at the end of matches, to sort of end his opponent, and when someone will break free of that wrist clutch, it's going to be a huge moment, and that's really cool. That I, I like when you do that. I love next level of processing storytelling. That's what we're getting with that.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's what Okada's been about. Uh, you know, lately, especially over the last year or two, one of the weirdest complaints on Okada is that it's just, ah, it's the same old shit. He doesn't evolve. <laughs> yeah, what are you
0: talking about? I, we I, have different I feel yeah.
1: like they're not watching the same wrestler as me. I mean, this is a guy who is like the antithesis of the same old shit and who doesn't evolve. And you just gave a good example. And I wrote about this in the review. But if you look at his last few title defenses, you look at the two Marafuji matches, you look at the Omega match, you look at this Suzuki match, I might be forgetting one or two, but the, the, the theme with these recent Okada defenses is that he really he gets dominated, and he's got to figure out a way against veteran opponents uh, stronger opponents, uh, uh, you know, uh, nastier opponents, faster opponents, and and he's sort of at this point in his career where he has to figure out how to overcome that stuff because he's still the junior to all these guys. Marufuji's been around forever. And he's in mid Suzuki's forty nine years old. Tanahashi was the previous ace. Uh, you know, Omega's you know thirty four years old. These are all guys. With with that experience edge on him, and I think that's a deliberate story that they're telling with this guy. And you know, he's creeping up on thirty. It's not always going to be that way for Okada. Very soon, he's going to enter the portion of his career where he is the senior uh, person, where he's taking on the up and comers, and you're going to see a different kind of psychology in those matches. I think we're we're and, I, and this is how I title my review. I think we're in the midst of viewing right before our eyes the transition of this guy as the ace. This is a very important part of his career. Uh, and I think that that these are very deliberate stories that he has to overcome these guys and overcome the th- things that are happening in these matches. So Okada, to me, I mean, I, I think the guy's a brilliant pro wrestler, and I think there's a lot of little brilliant things that he does uh, that, that maybe people don't notice, so they're not paying close enough attention to, like all this wrist clutch stuff that you just talked about. The rest of this show, we had the three-way IWGP tag team title match uh, with chaos retaining. Now, here's the thing with these three ways. I hate the booking of these three ways. I'm never gonna jump on board with these three-way tag team matches. I don't like it in New Japan. I don't like it anywhere. But I really don't like it in promotions like New Japan. Um, you know, where it's it's it, where I take it a little bit. You know, I can live with it in WWE. I really hate it in New Japan. But I will say this. They've done two of these in a row now. They did one at Wrestle Kingdom. They did one here. The match is always over deliver. I really like the Wrestle Kingdom three-way, and I thought this one was even better. I thought everybody worked hard. I just... I, I, I don't want to see these three-ways because I don't like the booking.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I thought... The match itself, I actually enjoyed when (laughs) Yano wasn't in it, I don't know if anybody else had that same thought or that's kind of what I came away with It is because when there was different points where, you know, Ishii was, was with Archer or, you you know, Hanma and Makabe were were with Dave Boy Smith Jr. There was every combination. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is awesome. Okay. I'm enjoying this. And then Yano would come in and everything would screech to a halt every single time. And I, I don't know if that's just me personally, because I'm so over the Toro Yano thing, but that really took away from this match because there was momentum being built up with, with, and I guess it kind of speaks to your point too. Is you would see this little tra- you'd see Ishi going against like David Smith and, and Archer, and it was really cool. Or, or you'd see Makabe and Hanma building a little mini program with, with KS or whatever, and then they would tag out. And then it's like, okay, well that team's gone now. And where the hell did they go? Or you know what I mean? Like, and that's the issue where if it was just one on one, if it was just one team versus one team, you can tell a better story because they weren't able to really tell any stories here. It was just like. 15 minutes of these guys running in doing their spots doing their things and then getting out of there and there was these little micro stories that were kind of developing throughout the match but when they just tag out or when they when when another guy comes in the ring and then that guy's now in the it it just it it takes away from that it really just hurts that idea of telling a story and and being able to tell a really good you know narrative throughout an entire match because this one which i thought was worked well it just didn't have any story i mean when it was all said and done what, what what did you take away from this match what do we learn? What, nothing. That, that's,
1: mean, and that's why you, you can't do these three ways because you can't. Yeah, I
0: mean, it, uh, y- Yano tricks everybody again. I mean, that's, I guess, what we learned from this. Yeah, but, and, and
1: again, if you're tired of Yano, which you are, and, you know, I, I only enjoy Yano in very small doses. It's, I don't like him anywhere near the top of the card. He just – it overdoes it for me. I, I'm, I'm not – you know, and it's like I know people say they love him in the G1. I'm tired of it by night three. I, I just,
0: yeah, the first night is cool. The second night is like, ha ah, and then three, you're
1: like, oh, God, okay. it's right. like, enough is enough. <laughs> go away. I mean, yeah, you right. want to talk about same old shit. I mean, that's the guy to point to. I mean, I just, you know, while he's pointing at himself, but I mean, yeah. So look, these three ways, both of them have over-delivered, I, it's, it's, but the, the booking, you know, can, you can go straight in the trash. I, it, it, it feels lazy. It feels like you don't know what to do with all these teams. You just throw them all in the ring at once. We saw it with the juniors for years. Now we're not getting out with the juniors anymore. Now we're doing it with the heavyweight tag. We just can't get rid of this shit. Uh, Hiroki Goto against Juice Robinson. The biggest match of Juice Robinson's career uh, by far. I don't even think it's close. Um, And I think he acquitted himself well. I thought that this match had excellent psychology. The story that they told was Juice was not in the same class as this man, which is the right story to tell. So he attacked him at the bell, tried to jump him and take advantage of that aspect of it. Goto fought back, and then basically Juice Robinson fought from underneath for the remainder of the match until he fired up with his fighting spirit at the end. And uh, he was not going to outfight Goto, but I think that the idea was he wasn't going to go down without that fight. And then Goto just overwhelmed him, beat the shit out of him. I gave him some wacky new version of the GTR, like with him draped on the second rope, which looked nasty as fuck. Then gave him the standard version and put him away. I love the story that they told. I thought the work was sound. I thought that this, uh, this showed that juice uh, can do some things with some of the guys at the top of the card. And I really liked this match. I think I went four stars on it. Very enjoyable. I don't know what you thought of this match at all. I don't think I've seen, read, heard any of your thoughts. So I'm curious to hear what you thought of Goto beating Juice Robinson. Yeah,
0: I'm actually right with you. I thought this was my... Might have been my favorite match on the entire card, and I was kind of surprised that I didn't hear more about it w- when it was going on and when I was looking back through our, our, our Twitter feed because I was on watching. and I went, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, And and it wasn't awesome in the classic sense. Again, it wasn't an epic match, but it just told a really cool story, I thought, where Juice knew that he was outclassed and knew that this is a big moment and I got to do everything I can and, and everything in my – in anything that I can possibly do in this match, I have to try to do it. I might not win, but I want to look – like, I belong. And, and I think that was the point of this entire match, is Juice looking like he belonged. And, and it was obvious that Goto was better, that Goto was more of a veteran, that Goto was going to win, that Goto should win, That you, you know, but, but Juice, when it was all said and done, showed you know I'm not far off. I'm 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 there. I'm close. I'm not there yet, but I'm gonna get there pretty soon. And I think that's a really cool story because it doesn't always have to be a neck and neck thing. It doesn't always have to be where at every moment I think, oh my god, is Juice Robinson gonna win here? Oh my god, you know everything's is a fifty fifty. This was not a fifty fifty. There was not, you know, we, I, I you always laugh when I, when I talk about the odds of you know winning the Royal Rumble. You know everybody has a one in thirty chance of winning the Royal Rumble. No, they don't, because some people are better than others. You know Goldberg has a better chance to win than Fandango or whatever, and that's that's just the way of it. And and this wasn't a fifty fifty match. I mean goto was the heavy favorite he was you know any anybody with betting odds is going to put their money on goto to win this and 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 rightfully so and juice knows that and juice understands that he's an underdog and and, and i thought like he did a really good job of working like an underdog and, and doing different things throughout the match to prove and to show you know the viewer that he knew that he wasn't as good, so he had to take a little bit of a shortcut. He had to charge him at the bell. He had to do this. He had to do that. And and when it was all said and done, you know, he lost, and to kind of put him away in divisive vest, or, 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 you know, really made him look, you, you know, kind of silly at the end. But that that's fine, because I think you want to prove that there there's a hierarchy, and the juice isn't quite there yet, but at least he can afford himself, and at least he can look like he might be there pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, he, That's a cool story. Yeah, he
1: beats Goto in the tag match. <laughs> which, which, as Rich, uh, he's yeah, gonna I, I He's the, gonna die. I
0: didn't get to the mutant time. I did not. I tried.
1: He beats Goto in the tag match, and then a couple nights later he, he eliminates him from the elimination match when they're the last two guys left, so they're showing that Juice is like almost there, but this match showed that Goto is still a clear step above him, which was the
0: which is perfect good. Story. That's a good story to tell. Exactly I mean, don't. The
1: perfect story to tell. I,
0: I don't like. I don't want my entire roster to be a big blob. We talk right. about the WWE blob all the yes. time, where you know everybody exists in this blob and they can move in and out of the blob whenever they want. New Japan, no. <laughs> you know, Juice Juice is in this class. GoTo in this class, and because we see what's funny too is when GoTo goes to the next class, he kind of gets outclassed a lot of times. Yes. And then he's got to move back to this class and dominate this class, and you know, but that's cool. I like these ideas of having these sort of. Ma- somebody does not do this anymore, right. and I really wish they would. Where you have a random guy get a big title match, and it's like, oh, geez, I don't understand why this guy's getting a title match, but you know, he got a few falls on this guy, so kind of cool. And then he just gets out class, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, he got lucky, and he got a few different, you know, pinfalls here and there, but it's obvious he's not as good as John Cena or whatever. Where, but but they don't really do that. Everybody's kind of in the blob, and this was cool. I really this is it was different, which I love. There's
1: tears here. And, Mm -hmm. and, and WWE, they're sort of, you're either one of the two or three ultra, you're John Cena, Undertaker, or, you know, a tippy top guy. And then there's everybody else. There's 80% of the rest of the guys. And then there's your Fandangos and your Ascensions. There's basically, like you said, a giant blob in the middle of all these guys who are the same. And if they're baby faces, they're really good. And if they're heels, they can never win without shenanigans. And that's why it's so frustrating sometimes to watch that company. Where here, there's very clear tears. And Goto is very clearly a step above this guy. And this is what the, the story that they told. And you're right, you made a good point. When Goto steps up in class, he loses his IWGP Heavyweight title matches. What is it, 0 mm-hmm. 8 or 0 9?
0: 0 and 9 now, I think. Right. You know, he'll,
1: he he loses a G1 Final against Kenny Omega, and you know he he can't beat the Tanahashi's and the Okadas, and that's, you know, that that's that's and, and here that's the double-edged sword of the tiered system in New Japan. It leads to a lot of predictable finishes, especially in tag team situations and things like that. But it also leads to cool stuff like this, where guys can move up or even move down the card, and and you kind of can have a Feel for where they are in terms of where they're tiered, and I and I agree with you. I prefer that system, and maybe that's why we get wrapped up in this promotion more than we do WWE. Who knows? Riponji Vice survived Taiichi and Taka Mishinoku. I thought this match was shit. I didn't like it at all. I
0: th- okay, good. I was. I thought I was on an island of my own because yeah, you're
1: not. I don't. I haven't seen uh, anyone who said yeah. they like this match. It's universally panned.
0: I'm, I'm uh-huh. shocked that a Taiichi match sucked. I, I am just stunned by this revelation.
1: It took forever to get going, you know, with his yeah. His what was belt. going on?
0: I was like, I, I I thought my video froze or something, or something was going on. I was like, what? We're not doing anything. What is going on? What are we? Oh god! And, and, yeah. and,
1: and it's a shame because I thought um, Roppongi Vice. I think they're on the best run that they've had yet in New Japan. Oh
0: no doubt. I mean, not even close. And
1: and I I, I like their individual performances here. And I thought Beretta in particular again was another. He's having. A heck of a year. And not a lot of people are going to notice because he's in these mid to lower card junior tag team matches. And they're probably matches that a lot of people are skipping because, you know, you want to get to the, you know, the top of the card. If you're not a big time New Japan fan, you're just going to want to watch the key stuff. Beretta in particular, we know Rocky's good. We know Rocky's an excellent pro wrestler. But Beretta is really having an excellent year in this company with these subtle performances in these tag matches. I thought he was great here. This was a a weird match again, where one team was really great in their performance, but the other team, and really just the other guy, I mean, Taka was just there, I, you know. And, and Taichi is just so frustrating and annoying to watch uh, that it really dragged the match down. And I, I I did not like this, but I was happy that Roppongi Vice retained. And I just assumed that you just hated it.
0: Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I it I, same same thing like you mentioned. It just wasn't. It, it, it just couldn't get going. And I think a lot of the momentum was stopped by Taichi and Taka. Because like I said, you, you summed it up perfect. Taka was a ghost. I don't even remember anything he did in the match. And Taichi's just not that good. He just moves around very weirdly. He just... he, he There's clearly an athletic gap that he's not... Uh, Yoshitatsu... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Yoshitatsu was very similar as well. Or when you watch these guys in these rings, and maybe a few years ago it wasn't obvious... But now when you watch Taichi against a guy like a Beretta, and against a guy like a Romero or or when, you know, the match prior that you're going to talk about here and, and you see the talent up and down the card and then you see this guy and you go, My guy, he's nowhere near these other guys. You know, five, six years ago, he could kind of just fit around with the middle of the roster or whatever. This roster is so talented right now that he sticks out like a sore thumb. Just seeing his, his awkwardness, just seeing the lack of athleticism he has, it just doesn't work anymore in this company. This company looks so much better. You know, everybody else in this company is so much better than he is, and it it it, it sticks out like a sort of thumb. He looks like the worst wrestler on the roster now. And that, that to me, I can't get over that. Watching him in the ring and watching him move around as as weirdly as he does. He's just and it's not like an, a, an attempted weirdness. It's just he it's just how kinda of how he moves and how he works, and he's just not a very athletic dude. And it, it really has shown recently. And I think that now in his return, when you see him against these other guys and you see the rest of the talent up and down the card and you go, Oh my god, this guy's nowhere near the class of these other guys. Nowhere near.
1: And it's just a style I don't want to see. I mean, I, you know, I, I, in the pre, again, I always say this, but you do these sorts of things in the prelims. I don't mind. I don't want to see this guy getting title shots. And unfortunately, uh, Desperado and Kanamuru, Yoshinobu Kanamuru, uh, they beat Harai Kawato and Kushida in the opener, which I thought was an excellent opener, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. I enjoyed that match a lot. A lot of it was, you know, this Kawato. Okay, look, he reminds me of. Sometimes you could just tell. Look, I don't think this guy's ever going to be a big star. I just don't. Um, the, uh, the, river people, uh, Kawato. <laughs>
0: super Sari. Uh, yeah. River people, super sorry. Uh,
1: but I mean, the,
0: if he goes under that gimmick, he might be a star.
1: The one thing that he has though, is he has this underdog charisma to him. And it's not just because he's a young lion. I think he's going to be one of these guys who is just going to, even as a veteran, be an excellent underdog who garners sympathy. And it's one of those things where I don't think you can try to be that. I think you just—it's it, just one of those natural—it's uh, a, it's a certain kind of charisma that some guys have where they just garner uh, sympathy naturally, and I think he's going to be one of those guys. And I thought this match was a good example of that. Uh, you really want to pull for this guy, you know? But at the same time, I—you know—I feel like he's going to be one of these guys where you don't want him to win too much, though, because it'll ruin that, you know. He's, he's got to be yeah, this right. kind of guy that loses most of the time. And you save those big wins for special. I think really that's what his future is going to be. And that's yeah, the- I
0: don't I don't see star on him either, but I see like solid roster member for for many years uh, off of him. Which and, and like you said, the same reason. I mean, he's got a little bit of a baby face. He kind of looks like a child still, and and he is literally still a child. So it does work. He's 19 years old. The, yeah, he's 19 freaking years old. So I guess we'll have to see what happens. You know, as he ages and, and and how he you know his body kind of comes to form. But right now he's perfect as like the little guy that 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 people kind of beat on and and, and take it. Advantage of or whatever, which is is good, and he's he's perfect in the role, and he's he's getting that aspect of it, and that's something that you always want. And I thought up and down this card, and we'll talk about you know in a few other matches as well. I thought the Young Lions afforded themselves great here. I don't know that we're really looking at you know a ton of stars in this crop. But every single one of these guys, you can see it every time they come out that they're improving and they're getting better and there's little tweaks that they're making. And, and that's the best part about watching these young lines. We got spoiled, you know, of course, with the Jay Whites and the David Finleys and, and, and the Komatsus and the Tanakas or whatever, where those guys within you know, a few months were awesome and having the best matches on the entire card or whatever. These guys are never going to be that, but they're solid roster members, and that's all you can ask. And it's fun to kind of watch. That progression, where you see a kawada get a little bit better here and there, and get get an idea of the mannerisms, and, and and be able to get a crowd behind him and that sort of stuff, which is that's the basis of learning pro wrestling is 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 controlling that crowd and getting them invested in you. And he, he's getting that Bingo. already. He's just got cool.
1: crowd connection already. Yeah, and it's not forced. It's like I say, it's sort of this natural thing that about him. Where this was great. Again, this was another match with very sound psychology and a good story where he just. He 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 told Kushida, no, I want to start the match. And Kushida, <laughs> right, like, and Kushida's, yeah, that was because yeah, Kushida okay, in yeah. his shoulder and saying, all right, well, you go for it, kid. <laughs> right. And then El Desperado and Kanemuro just proceed to murder this this child. They <laughs> right. killed him. You know, they beat the living shit out of him until Kushida was able to make the hot tag. And then, of course, they overwhelm him in the end. And then they attack Kushida after the match, which on the English feed, Don Callis was uh, – uh, very smart to point out that that was them sending a message. And then, of course, the reason I, I, I circled back to this match uh, after the Roppongi Vice uh, match against Suzuki Gun is because Desperado and Kanemoro presented themselves as the next challengers for Roppongi Vice. I, look, I said that that probably should have been the match on this show. It would have been a much better match than Taichi and Taka. Yes. It would have yes. been Desperado and Kanemoro. Those guys are just bad. And Kanemura's a guy. I mean, you know, he backdoored his way into New Japan. And when he when he cares, which he obviously does now, because he lucked out bouncing from these, you know, all Japan to Noah. And now he's in. All of a sudden, he's in New Japan. He looks like he cares. So that would have been the better match, I think, um, uh, no question. So we may get that at some point. If <laughs> I don't think enough's
0: being said about how th- this dude <laughs> goes from just nowhere land and and backdoors. This is the, the political move of the century. It really,
1: right? it, was, it really was some amazing <laughs> I mean, maneuvering this. by this man.
0: Go, for people that don't know, go over his, the maneuvering that, that Kanemaru did to be now in like, featured big-time matches. In yeah, Japan. so he
1: was in All Japan at its very lowest point. Um, he was one of the, guy, the, the, the guys who jumped from Noah a few years ago with Junakiyama and Atsushi Aoki and all those guys. Go Shiozaki. They all jumped to All Japan. All Japan just sunk to the lowest point. I mean, they were about to fold. Um, you know, Akiyama buys the
0: uh, – Well, they technically did. I mean this is a whole new Japan company now, and people forget that too, that this – all, this what we know as All Japan Pro Wrestling is, is technically a different company than – Right. Akiyama essentially
1: once, yeah. bought the intellectual property and, right, and exactly. reopened the company, but they, they used the same lineages and everything. But technically, in the technical sense, it's a different company, and the old company did fold and cease to exist. Uh, and then when they were at their very lowest point under Akiyama, he wasn't getting paid. So he jumped to Noah. Uh, and then, you know, this was one of those guys. Then Go Shiozaki followed after that. And, and Noah signed Nakajima, who was a freelancer, uh, technically, to a full-time contract. And what none of us knew was whether – and now this was when Bushiroad at this point was involved with Noah. And none of us really knew whether it was – the Noah parent company signing these guys or whether it was uh, Bushi Road signing these guys to contracts. So when the NOAA sale went down and Suzuki gun was forced back to New Japan, we were all wondering if Yoshinobu Kanemura would come with them, uh, and he did. Which is amazing because Takeshi Sagera <laughs> stayed behind. He was a member of Suzuki Gun at the time, but obviously under Noah contract, so he stayed behind. So I guess it was the Bushi Road money. We have to assume that he had a Bushi Road contract because he came back with all the Suzuki Gun boys. So he's gone from a promotion that literally died to a promotion that couldn't be doing worse at the time that, that, that he left with Noah, and now he's in the biggest promotion in Japan. He's about to get a title match. <laughs> on probably the New Japan one of the New Japan Cup shows coming up.
0: That's so an all timer, right? There. That is
1: some all time political maneuvering from a forty year old man who what, maybe a year <laughs> or a year and a half ago was not even getting paid by all Japan. And it just it, amazing political maneuvering and um you know so so here he is in New Japan and I look it looks like he gives a shit again. This is a guy who look I know a lot of people are down on him, but I have seen too many good matches of his you know, ten 12, 15 years ago in Noah when he was feuding with Kenta and Katero Suzuki and people like that. So and that's when Noah was my favorite thing going. So I have there's a spot, you know, in my head where I, I can't bury the guy. And I, I think we're going to see some good things from him this year. Uh, he'll have some sleeper matches and best of the super juniors and maybe have some good tag matches, too. Um Dragon Lee, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Minabu Nakanishi, Michael Elgin, and Ryusuke Taguchi defeat all five members of Los Ingobernables de D-Japan 10-man tag team match. Depending where you stood on the main event, this was probably the second or third best match on the show, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, it started slow, but I thought it picked up by the end, and it was a hot little 10-man tag. I think the biggest takeaway here, though, was that Michael Elgin came out after Tanahashi, as sort of the uh, top member of the team, so to speak. Uh, I think that's a more important takeaway than anything that happened in the match, especially since a bunch of the guys in this match basically took the night off. Some of the guys worked hard, um, but Elgin coming in last with his own entrance, I thought was, uh, was, a, was a little bit, uh, with, to his own music, uh, too, was, was an yeah, eye-opener right. to me.
0: Yeah, I thought this. I, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, I not for any technical reason. I mean, it wasn't like a spectacular match, but but the characters in this match were, were were awesome. And and, and Dragon Lee is a guy that I really hope just hangs around, and, and it looks like he is going to be hanging around for a little bit longer and and, and taking more dates because I think he fits great in this roster too, and he just looks like a million bucks too. And and we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. I know you want to talk about it. Everybody wants. It. We'll get to it in a sec, and you'll know what it is. Uh, in a moment, but yeah, I thought that the, the even to even, even to Gucci, I liked what he did in this match. And I thought, again, we look at Tanahashi, and, and I think the story that we kind of thought that they were going to tell with Tanahashi, we're kind of seeing right now, where he's a guy that just doesn't want to let it go, that doesn't think that still thinks he's the shit, and he's really not. But it it, it works well, it's a great little character he's got going right now, and he still thinks it's the biggest fucking deal in the world that he's the never open way, you know, three and six man tag champion, and it's the greatest thing ever. How happy. Hiroshi Tanahashi is. They have this stupid title. This title doesn't matter at all. Seven hundred people have held it. Everybody's held it for like two minutes. This guy has main evented numerous Tokyo and he thinks every show. We gotta do a photo op, guys. Let's let's all stand around around our our titles and let everybody know that we are the champions. I just thought this was it. it was kind of goofy this match, but I thought it was a fun goofy. You know, what I mean, like this is exactly what I look for when I look for you know a, a match that's got a little bit of, of fun to it, a little bit of um. Character work and that sort of stuff. And I thought, the, again, you see Dragon Lee and you see Takahashi and, and you go, oh, my God, these guys are just the greatest and I cannot wait for the, another match of those two. Those guys should just wrestle each other, you know, it, randomly once or twice a year for the next, like, 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, they should always be linked. I would hate to not be able to see those two fight each other at least, like, a few times a year.
1: And, and you're going to see them uh, wrestle each other in a couple days.
0: So. Yeah, exactly. Because even there, even in four minutes to start off this match, you're like, Jesus Christ, these guys are just so good. Yeah. and they just kill each other, and they don't care, and they love. They it.
1: just they just work so well together. It's it's as classic of a, a combination of two wrestlers as you'll ever see. I don't care who you want to name, Psychosis and Rey Mysterio Jr., Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Uh, they go right down the line, Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn, uh, Okada and Tanahashi. Some guys just work great together and have tremendous chemistry. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, whoever it is, okay, Uh, these guys are right there with them and better than a lot of the the combinations that I just named in terms of uh, output. Uh, in terms of great matches and they're gonna have another great one in Osaka, I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, and they were the highlight of this one too when they were in there. So uh but Rich, how can we not talk about Dragon Lee's music? <laughs> it's, I mean it, it, this, That is it, yeah. I mean, this is just an incredible song. Somebody did digging and and found it uh on the internet. It's called Come Get It, Rich. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> this, if you haven't heard this song, I, mean, <laughs> I I feel like you should open the show with this song. I, I just,
0: it, I, I, maybe I, I, I might, yeah. I, I I might. Think
1: the best part is they played out. it for
0: like forty-five minutes at the end of the match because, like I said, Tanahashi is just glad handing with everybody and showing off his stupid little never open weight title, and this song is just playing. It repeat play, They repeated twice. That's the best part is they had to re. The guys in the truck or whoever that fuck does the New Japan overdubbing had to play the song twice because Tanahashi wouldn't get out of the goddamn ring. It was so great. The song makes no sense for Dragon League. Um, It's an incredible, like... Royalty free raps. We'll, we'll play. Uh, you're listening to this now, even though you've already heard it. But yeah, I'm absolutely going to play. Yeah, it's one of these if stock
1: can... royalty free oh, I don't know if I can download it for free though. Oh, no, uh, know, know, you can play how many seconds of it? No. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know how to get it off the website. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm on the website now. All right. You're gonna have to link me. Here. I think if you, I can link you. But that's no problem. What's
0: it? What's it? just give me the uh, title. I think
1: you can get it for free if for if you want to use it for a podcast. There's no charge. Ah, Ah, yes. Here I will. I will. Cool. I will provide you the link.
0: Well, that is us.
1: We are a podcast. We are a podcast. I'm gonna. You can look this over. I'm pretty sure.
0: Legalities here. I mean, of course, Billy Corbin gave us, you know, whole property to use his song. So.
1: Well, you're under the, you're under that 13 seconds. So.
0: I do, I do keep it very quick. Which we didn't until he owned TNA, and then we said,
1: ah, you know, we might as well, just in case he listens. Yeah, there's, there's your link if you want to take a look at this. All right. Now you, you can All right. come get it. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> I know you you wanted to recite the entire song. um... The lyrics. I've listened to
1: this song <laughs> probably a hundred times by now. Uh, my favorite bar from this song. Yes, please it, yeah. Is uh, uh, what a do ma? Just me and you ma. That's my favorite bar of the song. Uh, so yeah, that, that, I, I may uh maybe do a full length version of this rap at some point for the listeners. I'm not going to do that. But did oh, you... License not available? Bid? Bid for this item. You click, oh. Look, you could just click podcast. I tried it.
0: I did. It says license not available. It's got to sign in. Hold on. Let me I can sign up for this. Uh, it says
1: perpetual use.
0: I tried. It just said I can't do it. I have to bid for it. Like, he knows it's hyper. He's wondering all of a sudden. This guy... Whatever his name is, what's uh, what's
1: Warner Chappelle is...
0: Yeah, Warner. He, he's all of a sudden he's seen a lot of <laughs> hits on. it. wait, hold on a minute.
1: He's like, maybe I should be charging for Come Get Yeah, hold on a minute. What's going on here? I wonder if he knows. Revenge like Montezuma. Gonna... Yeah. Really is a tremendous. Song. I I. Dude, dude. Right.
0: I'm confirming my email right now. So continue as we uh, get on Just this request. Booking this song live on the air. Yeah. Uh, oh no. Where it go?
1: In of, this is not good. You know, the worst part of this segment, <laughs> all of it. It, besides all of it, is if you successfully, like, everyone's gonna
0: hear it at the beginning, anyway. Yeah,
1: and then they're gonna hear right. it. It's, it's like, yeah.
0: you know what? Instead of that, what we're gonna do is play it over this. Instead of at the beginning,
1: that might be a better idea. Because you're right,
0: because it will be ridiculous if we.
1: Yoshihashi took on Takashi Azuka.
0: Please, please, while I do this.
1: This was terrible match number two. Actually, terrible match number one, since we're going in reverse here. Uh, There was really nothing to like about this other than Yoshihashi gets himself a nice little singles win on a pay-per-view over Azuka. I was happy that there wasn't a DQ finish. I was happy that Yoshihashi won, but the match was certainly uh, nothing worth talking about and and probably below average, Uh, even though Yoshihashi... Worked his ass off, as uh, Rich tries to uh, like. Light- okay, I can
0: download a preview. So let me see how long this preview is. It might it's be just an...
1: two minutes and thirteen seconds.
0: Well, I don't think it's a whole song. We gotta fi- I gotta find out how long this. Pre- well, it's a preview. It's only, they're they're saying they're they're not gonna give me. I have to bid for the the full item ah for a
1: podcast. Well, so. you can find out what New Japan paid for it then.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh no! It, it, okay, you're right. I two
1: thirteen.
0: Get... Yeah. Okay. I told yeah. you. There you go. Okay. Right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it over this then. This entire uh that that last segment. What now that we're now you're hearing it now, it's over. It's done. You've already heard it.
1: What terribly constructed radio. <laughs> this is not exactly music of the mat that we're doing. No. Those guys we're, do a masterful job weaving well, songs into the uh Chris
0: Chris knows what he's doing here. We're just idiots, He really right?
1: does. We are I don't know why people listen to us, and then yeah. we had a couple of prelims <laughs> here. Uh there's really not much to say. Tenzan Kojima, Nagata defeated hanare tomoyuki oka and yoshitatsu
0: i like this one because those three said you know what we're gonna do we're gonna gang up on kojima and i was like what are you guys doing and the Kojima just chopped the fuck out of all of them
1: actually i do have some thoughts on oka um look this is a guy that kadani loves this is a guy that nagata loves this is a guy that the company thinks is going to be a, a future stud and a guy who's going to feud with okada into the future and it's like I'm, I watch him wrestle, and I I don't see him jump off the screen as any kind of future star. He doesn't have that quality that a Ben Kay, or a uh, Takuya Nomura, or uh, or somebody, or um, uh, Higuchi from DDT. Those guys jump off the screen to me. And when I watch those guys, I think those guys are going to be fucking stars. I'm convinced of it. I don't get that feeling with Oka. But here's the thing, Rich. He's had seven matches in his life.
0: <laughs> right and maybe maybe we should wait a little maybe we should if there was it ever a out.
1: time for pump the brakes it, it is it is coming up with hot takes on tomo yukioka and i'll tell you <laughs>
0: seven matches in this kid i tell you i, don't I just
1: don't see it but i mean here's the thing for a guy that's only had seven matches he is he is very sound i mean he's got that beautiful belly-to-belly overhead suplex that he throws in every match now that i think looks great uh he shows real good fire like all the young lions do and he's very technically proficient i'll tell you He better damn well be since they had this guy in mothballs for about a year and a half and really treated him with kid gloves. They still haven't debuted the other guy, the other heavyweight. I can't think of his name, the big muscular dude that apparently is headed towards a one-on-one match with Billy Gunn after they had their little confrontation.
0: Oh, the guy bursting at the seams because he's...
1: Yeah, the, juice, the
0: ju- juice out of his. Yeah, mouth. the guy that, yeah, that, that guy. legitimately
1: failed PED testing and his and, and was <laughs> yeah. kicked. I can't
0: imagine why. Yeah.
1: I can't think of his name though. Um, it's not Kenamitsu. Kenamitsu yeah. is the other guy, the other young kid. I I can't remember the big guy's name, but uh, but yeah, Olka's only had seven matches, and and for a guy with seven matches, I mean, geez, he already looks better than a lot of these Performance Center clowns who get on a, you see on NXT or even on the main roster for that matter who've been training in this performance center for 2 3 years so i mean yeah but but does he look like a star to I me mean, no but he also has you know they aged him 15 years by shaving his head he's like the first guy in history who shaved his head and ended up looking older instead of younger which
0: yeah he really does look like he's like 35 years old 35 he looks
1: like he's pushing 50 shaved head <laughs> he really does his shaved head exposes his receding hairline
0: Though he does kind of look like, like even when he was like 12, he looked like he was 32.
1: He's one, like he
0: came out of the right. womb looking like he was like 15. He, or, he's like, one
1: of those Fedor Milianenko guys that always look old. Like Yeah, right. Fedor. But he'll
0: look like that now forever. He'll be 70 and still. Look
1: that's right. It's the Arn Anderson thing. The Arn Anderson right. Fedor thing. Fedor looked <laughs> right. the same when he was 28 in like pride as he does now when he's fighting for, you know, whoever it is like for Bellator or whatever. It's like, he never ages, but the the downside is you're always old. Like you started old and then you just stay middle aged forever. You know, that that's, you're right. That's kind of like what this guy has going on. And Hanare, I'll tell you, he busts his ass every time I see this guy wrestle. I, I don't know what he's going to be. You know what he's like? He's like a young Satoshi Kojima. He really is. He, he's, if you go back and watch tapes of like a young lion, Satoshi Kojima, or when he first uh, got his first push, they work in a very similar manner. I think those are two guys. That's a guy that Hanare should study. And the other uh, prelim here was uh, Gato, Jado, and Willow Spray defeating Liger, Shibata, and Tiger Mask. Uh, this match wasn't very good at all. I thought it was a two star special. I didn't even, you know, there was maybe one or two spots with Spray and Shibata that were okay, but this was not. The Corican match they had about a week before where they were on opposite sides of an eight-man was much better. Osprey and Shibata were much better in that Corican match. I didn't like this match at all. I thought it was very dull
0: yeah, no, no, it really didn't go anywhere. I mean, it, it was only like what six or seven minutes, but it, yeah. it felt like forever, and nothing happened. And yeah, it it, 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 was, it was not good at all. Uh, the, Osprey and, and Shibata had a few little things here and there, but yeah, for the most part, I, I don't even remember the other if guys. If you want to get in, hyped in for Osprey and yeah.
1: Shibata, go watch the Cork and Hall show. Please. Yeah,
0: this won't do it. This isn't a good go home segment for that match. I mean, go go watch. Yeah, go watch that one. Go watch the one where and the, the elimination where match. bell rings. Yeah, bell rings and Osprey just beat the fuck. I mean, that that's the really yes, fun
1: that's the here. yeah, this the one. first Cork and match where they go right at it at the bell, and then the elimination match where Shibata eliminates Osprey first, and then Shibata dives over the... He does a dive to eliminate himself because he hasn't gotten enough of Osprey yet, and then they brawl all the way to the back. So those were much better than the match they had here. This was New Beginning in Sapporo. I didn't think it was a great show. I thought it was an, a, a good show uh, with a couple of really good matches and um, a couple of okay matches and three three or four matches that really weren't good at all. I think in terms of New Japan big shows... This was uh, the first New Japan Big Show in a long time where I thought there were three or four matches that really were poor matches. Sometimes you get one or two. This one you had the junior ta- tag title match. You had the yoshihashi Azuka match, and you had the match we just talked about. I thought were legitimately poor matches. And then the, yeah. the Tenzan Six Man was, uh, with, with Oka was just a match. And the rest of it was pretty good. But you, you know, there were three matches there that to me were legitimately poor.
0: Yeah, I feel, I feel kind of an idiot that we had that discussion a few weeks ago where you, you know you went over which card do you like better, and I was like, ah, the Sapporo one I really do like, and uh, yeah. Well, see, here's
1: the trick, Rich, from someone who has a big mouth, I'm going to give you a tip. You don't bring up when you're wrong. You let other people bring If other people bring it up, you take the L. You know what I'm saying? But if you didn't say that, maybe no one would have remembered. <laughs> you know? That's fine. It's like no one would have remembered that you picked this show. You know, if someone calls you out, yeah, you'd be a man. But, you know, you could have gotten away with that. Uh, the DMs are blowing up here.
0: Are they all wrong or what?
1: No, no, this is a decent one. Um, we can't read it, obviously. It's a DM. Uh, okay, so Osaka's coming up on the 11th. Let's quickly run through this. We'll start at the top of the card. This is uh, – the Osaka is the New Japan Army versus uh, Los Angeles, Japan uh, half of New Beginning. It was sold out weeks ago. As Rich reads the DMs, I can feel yeah, it. I, I can
0: feel Oh, that. yeah, you can feel me. Yeah, you can feel Reading me doing it. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. To... I'm putting it away. It's going away. Oh,
1: listen, you can read the DMs. I'll, I'll...
0: No, no, it's nothing. I got it. Naito
1: defends against Elgin. Dark Twitter claims that Elgin's winning this. Um, <laughs> and, and that to set up Naito to defeat Okada. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Do you, do you...
0: No. I'm not... I, mm, no. I No. I don't no. think
1: it's impossible. So... But I'm not it's impossible,
0: I'm not possible, but I, I, I wouldn't call it likely. The
1: problem is Naito always seems to get the better of Elgin. Uh, is this a chance for Elgin to get the better of Naito? I I, I don't know. Um, again, if I was putting uh, the, 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 the Voices of Wrestling percentage points on this one, I would go 75% Naito, 25% Elgin. The idea, though, on the Elgin side is that Elgin is winning the title to free up Naito to beat Okada. To me, that's a very similar story to last year. If Naito defeats Okada in the first quarter of the year, and then they move on from it, so I, 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 I don't know. I feel like that, that'd be repeating the same story. I don't think it's uh, impossible. I just my gut is telling me telling me that Naito retains.
0: Yeah, I would say so as well. I mean, it would, again, like, would I be stunned if Elgin walks out of here? No, I don't think I would be. But I, I just, I can't see it right now. I just don't know if the time's right for for that scenario either. Hiromu
1: Takahashi defends against Dragon Lee. We talked about that match already. Look, uh, look, it's probably going to be the match of the night. Uh, if you're a betting man, you'd have to think it's going to be the match of the night. Man,
0: can you imagine? These guys are in the semi. Man, they're gonna kill it. <laughs> are you kidding? These guys are gonna go nuts.
1: They know. And what this tells me, they've really protected Haromu. Uh, they treated the junior title match at the dome like something special. If you go back and look at the marketing of that show, they included that match in sort of the big four matches that closed out the show as one of the four key matches. Hiromu hasn't taken a loss in new Japan yet. And uh, to my, not, I don't remember him. I don't think he's been pinned or submitted, right? I mean, he's been on the losing side of tags and things like that. Yeah.
0: I'd have to see. Yeah, I'd have to look back, but I, I, I can't recall one. I don't remember. No, I mean, ahead.
1: super protected. I mean, to set up this match, they had dragon Lee attack him. Uh, at fantastic, wasn't it? No, it was a new year dash, right? He attacked him out of the crowd. Um, uh, and they've got Hiromu in the semi main event spot here on a huge show in Osaka. Look, they really like this guy. They're protecting him and they've got plans for him. So I think he'll beat dragon Lee. I don't know if dragon Lee's sticking around after this, if he loses, I would presume not. If he wins, obviously he has to stick around. I would like to see Dragon Lee in Best of the Super Juniors. I'm really hoping that happens. But I don't feel like the timing is right to beat Hiromu, so I don't see him losing the title. I think that they're, he's still in that period where he's ultra-protected, and they're establishing him as a, as, as, a, uh, as, as a semi-main event guy, as a top-of-the-card guy. So I, don't, I just feel the timing would be all wrong for him to, to do a, a title trade here. Because if he loses it, he's winning it back.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't like that either. I just like establishing one guy, and I think now is a good time to ju- just let Takahashi have a nice little run with the title and let him be the dominant figure of, of the junior division for a while. I think that's not a bad idea, and Dragon Lee loses nothing by you know it, no one's going to care if, if Dragon Lee loses this match. It's not that big of a deal. He can come back in a few months and and, and redo this again or win best of super juniors. Or, you, there's many different scenarios you could do, but yeah, I, I don't think the time's right for him to, to win, and I don't think the time's right for Takahashi to lose. So I think that's a better result.
1: The exact same tag team title match from Sapporo will. Occur. In Osaka, which is why the result of the first one really didn't matter. Chaos, Great Bash Heel, and Killer Elite Squad. According to The Observer, Lance Archer has sciatic nerve damage in his hip and also a herniated disc in his back. Uh, he was pulled from some of the house shows. And it is up in the air, in Dave Meltzer's words, as to whether he'll work this match. So who even knows if Killer Elite Squad yeah, will
0: we're, be Yeah, we're recording this, by the way, for people that know, we're recording this at 9 o'clock on Thursday. So we have no idea if the schedule's been changed or whatever uh, happened with that one. So, so if they do get pulled, uh, just know that that's when we're recording here. So maybe we did miss it or whatever. So I'm actually going to look it up as we speak, just in case, to... So, uh,
1: there's a good chance they're not going to be involved in this match as yeah, as we record this though we have to go under what's listed so it's a three way for now um knowing that he's that badly hurt uh I, and since he was such a big part of the first of why the why I enjoyed the first one he was all over the ring in that first one for a guy yeah
0: per their, per their website he is still uh still on the yeah, show yeah he has
1: so. not been yanked yet he was yanked from the house shows but not from this yet um, he was all over the ring in the, in the first match. He was doing springboard you know, high cross bodies and all over the place. So for a guy that was working with an injured hip and supposedly hurt the back in that match, uh, you know, this is a guy who still works hard uh, e- even when he's hurt. But uh, well, we'll see about that, I think. You know, my original pick here was since they were protected from taking the fall in the first match, I figured Killer Elite Squad would win the titles here. But now, even if Archer works the match... I don't know, because if they know that he's injured and that he's just going to gut his way through this, do you want to put the titles on them necessarily? So even if that was the plan, they may switch gears. So I really don't have a pick. For, I didn't. Well, here's,
0: here's a little bit of a break from our, our staff member, Jojo Remy, who, who tweets out, Lance Archer is off Saturday's New Japan show. Azuka is taking Archer's spot in the tag title three-way, and Kawada gets a singles match with Taka.
1: Okay, so that's great. So now we can break it down properly. Archer's out. So it'll be Azuka and Davy Boy Smith Jr. They're not winning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe to say, um, as of this recording, that no, uh, Azuka and Davy Boy Smith Jr. are probably not winning the tag. Yeah, run, so. so,
1: and what was the other change?
0: Uh, then Kawada is going to face Taka.
1: Kawada versus Taka Mishinoku in a singles match? Yes,
0: yeah, but I don't know, because Taka was with... I, I don't know what that does a with Kushida. a lot of changes then,
1: it, because Taka yeah, was...
0: Yeah, because then T- Kushida was with... Tana, uh, uh, Tenzan right Yeah. here's
1: what it was it was Tenzan and Kushida versus Taka and Azuka but Azuka's moving into the tag team title match Taka's facing Kawato Kawato was teaming with Yoshitatsu and facing Hanare and Oka okay. so three matches are being changed here the first two matches on the card those tags are out because Taka's facing Kawato we already know the change for the tag title match we got that straight we know Takas right. facing Kawato. What we don't know is what Hanare, Oka, Yoshitatsu, Tenzan, Kushida are doing. That's yeah, those men. guys are all kind of floating there. That's yeah. five men, and we don't know what. Well, at least as we record this, we don't know what they're doing. So, uh, well, that wipes out those two prelims that we don't need to talk about. Oh, good. We continue to move <laughs> yeah. down the card here, but uh, yeah, Azuka and Navy Boy. I mean, they have no chance. So,
0: have you ever, have you ever seen what Yoshitatsu's uh, name translates to?
1: No, I do not know.
0: A new Japan's website. Goodbye
1: you know what i did I, I, that, <laughs> I love it because i did know that but and i i, I you just set me up there and i didn't knock it down
0: i love but it this is goodbye, goodbye for
1: him as he moves on the cmll after this show.
0: oh darn <laughs> so
1: Sorry. there you go
0: I, I hate picking on the guy but he's just really to
1: be sad. fair he's done his best work over the last week or so
0: i mean i guess it, i'm but, not saying yeah. it's good work <laughs> relative saying. yes you are correct It his, his best work has post been post yes.
1: broken neck this is the best he's looked because he hasn't looked horrendous because there's time. Yes. Okay. Yes. Time he her- yeah. He's looked passable. And in, in a couple of these matches, he's looked pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to say he's,
0: he's less of a geek now that the bullet club Hunter stuff is kind of yes. done. So, so I, I, I'm with you on that. So I- one
1: thing I can hope is when he comes back from CMLL, he's repackaged that bullet club Hunter stuff, the <laughs> triple H fucking fantasy play, that stuff's got to go. It really does because I think it's, it's hindering him. I don't think he'll be any more than a – look, the, remember when they brought him in. He was teaming with Tanahashi. He was facing AJ Styles in singles matches. They had plans for him. He broke his neck. He came back. His work wasn't up to snuff. And all of a sudden, he's in a long-term storyline with Bone Soldier. So it's like they recognize that the post-broken neck Yoshitatsu – and look, let's fa- Look, he wasn't Mitsuhara Masawa before the broken neck. He was okay. <laughs> right. He was a good worker. Look, he was a good worker in New Japan before he left for WWE. Not great. He was good. He could go out there and have a decent match. He was okay in WWE. He didn't really get a chance to look bad. Uh, but post-broken neck, he's been horrendous. I thought he's looked okay over the last week or so. Hopefully he gets repackaged and maybe, you know, he's he's a decent – prelim. that's all I – all I want out of him is he's a decent prelim guy. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, Shibata defends the British Heavyweight Championship. That's the top Rev Pro title against Will Ospreay. This is my most anticipated match on this entire tour, even more so than Hiromu versus Dragon Lee. Even though I think Hiromu-Dragon Lee will be the better match – I've seen it like nine times. I've never seen Shibata versus Will Ospreay. And I think this clash of styles is going to work for both guys. I think Ospreay is going to take a bunch of incredible bumps for this guy and fly all over the ring for him. And I think this is going to bring out a different style of match for Shibata as well. Yeah, I'm pumped up for this. My only um, downside to this is, is I'm, I'm, I'm really down on the idea that Ospreay can win. I'm really 100% convinced. That Shibata will win because RevPro already shot the angle with Zack Sabre Jr. Now, there are British wrestling fans who will tell you that, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that has to be a title match. That they could headline a RevPro show with Shibata versus Zack Sabre Jr. without a title on the line. To me, I watched that whole show, the high stakes show. That was the Shibata Riddle main event. He beats Riddle. Zack Sabre Jr. comes out. To me, I've been watching wrestling for 30-plus years or whatever it is. That just screamed a title challenge to me. I feel like that's the direction they're going. I feel like Zach Sabre is going to beat Shibata for that title, which means he has to beat Willow Spray here. What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense there. But part of me kind of thinks Ospreay has a chance of winning it. But I, I guess like you're saying, though, uh, why fundamentally – Why shoot that angle? Exactly. Yeah, Fundamentally, it doesn't make any sense because they've already kind of – kind of put the cart before the horse in that respect. So I guess Rev, not. What but what the
1: fuck does RevPro care about a New Japan fourth from the top match? They're,
0: right, exactly. They're going to shoot their so.
1: angle because they got to worry about their business. So I don't, I don't begrudge them for shooting that Zack Sabre Jr. angle, but I do think it's just one of those things where if you're going to be this deep into wrestling fandom, sometimes shit like that happens and ruins a match for you.
0: Right, yeah. So I, I'm holding out a little bit of hope that maybe it'll surprise you because I would like a Osprey win, but I, I like Shibata win holding this title as well too because it, it's kind of cool that that then you know that this guy's gonna come over that then you're guaranteed another Shibata match in in, in Rev Pro, which is always a cool thing to have him come in there and, and especially if it's against Zach Saber Jr. or something like that. So I mean, part of me thinks Osprey could win, but I think again the logical part of me says Shibata retains. But then we're at an issue, a situation here where do you think the first the top four all retain?
1: Uh, I mean, well, I mean, chaos could easily lose to Great Bash.
0: Yeah, I got. Yeah, they could. But um, I, as far as maybe the big three of those three, I mean, the British heavyweight, the I, I guess that, and then you know the junior and the I mean, maybe the Intercontinental does change. I don't know, but it's not unprecedented that all three of these guys just retained. Well, they didn't either. change
1: the never. They didn't change the junior. T- they didn't change anything yet.
0: Right. So, so
1: we well, look. I think I think GBH could win easily. I don't think that even matters. Um, I think the trios titles are going to change. If you want to throw them in the mix. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Don't tell Tanahashi. Good
1: segue, though, because that's our next match.
0: Oh, <laughs> no. no. Uh, He's
1: going to be so upset. But look, how can you ha- how can we break down a Never Trios match and not predict the title change? I think you have to every single time. So, yeah, I do think LIJ wins those back. Um I think it was a neat little story. Nakanishi had his moment. He beat Bushi. New Year Dash, Big Pop, especially coming off that Nagata match from a few weeks earlier, which was a great singles match. Nice little story. That's what these trios titles give you. Nice little stories, cute little things to do on the undercard. And that was a lot of fun. But I think their time is done. And I think they're going to put the titles back on LIJ. And maybe from there you might see more of a sustained run with Bushy Evil, and Sonata. Because, you know, Bushy won't have as much to do now that he's the number two junior on the team. And maybe this is a good direction for all three of those guys to take them through the spring and the summer. Who knows? But I do think the title changes here. Rich, obviously you think there's a a good chance for a title change at minimum, but do you think they're going to do that here? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I think there's almost no doubt that um, that they're going to So with this. that said, would that be the do you think there's a chance that's the only title that changes hands over the course of these two shows?
0: <sighs> I mean, we just kind of previewed these and talked about them. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the, the tag titles. titles could. The tag they titles could.
1: could. We've got – Yeah, I, I don't –
0: but that doesn't – I don't let's
1: care. Let's do Who it cares? this way. People yeah. like when we do stuff okay. like this. Let's do it. Like. Right. we got five title matches on this show. Let's rank them in order of the probability of them changing hands. I think okay. we would both agree the trio's title would be number one.
0: The highest, yeah. That, that I'd put at nearly 100 to – Or whatever probability metric we're using, I don't know what that we're using. So
1: I think we'd both agree the tag titles would be number two, or maybe not. I think they'd be number two.
0: Um, I I, yeah, I agree. It's
1: mitigated a bit now that Archer's out because I thought both teams had a shot before.
0: Yeah, now it's only one that has a chance. So maybe maybe they hold it. Maybe they tell Chaos to hold it for another month until Archer's ready or something like that. So, but I still think they're number two. I think they're clearly number two.
1: My number three would have to be Naito. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm right there too. Okay, my there's enough doubt in my mind on that.
1: Yeah. My number four, and this 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 is where it gets tricky. I would I would I would say, and again I think he's retaining, but I I put Hiromu number four.
0: Yeah, I I'd put Shibata in Osprey, even though even though you said about the angle and all that sort of stuff, I I still think that. Okay, one. So still, I, I I in my mind there's no chance Takashi. I don't loses. think
1: so either, but I I also think there's there's zero chance Shibata loses, and I think. See, with Hiromu, I could see them. I would disagree with the title change because, like you said, I'd like to see him just be a strong champion. But I, can't you see them doing a quickie, if anything? Dragon Lee wins and then loses it right back to him. I mean, that's a Gato pattern. But I'm not trying to sell people on that because I do think he'll retain. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're we're the same on the first three. I feel really strong about Shibata and Hiromu. But, uh, but yeah, it would be weird if everybody retains. It, it would be strange.
0: Yeah,
1: someone's got to drop, and I think that the nevers for sure, but yeah, as far as the others, I, I don't know. That increases the argument for Naito, I guess. But then again, do you really think they sit around? Do you think Gato and Jato
0: are <laughs> <Right>. sitting there? <laughs> oh, no, we haven't Gato had a title off. change yet. Right. <laughs> like, well, Scratch it out. Forget it. We've we got to change yeah.
1: at least two. I don't think they view things like that. I think sometimes you just get a fluky thing where maybe no titles change. I think that's more of a fan thing that we look at, and it really doesn't mean anything. You know, um, it, but let's see. Now we've got uh, the, the again; those first two prelims are out the door. We have no idea what they're doing with those. All we know is that Taka's facing Kawato. Uh, I will say that uh, if you go back and watch the 2011 World Tag League prelims, Rich,
0: I'm not going to do that. Sorry, which I know you're
1: going to do immediately after this podcast <laughs> right. ends. If you go back and watch the 2011 World Tag League, are those even on the New Japan? Probably World? not. Okay, uh, you will see Taka take on a variety of young boys. Uh, the, the, uh, you'll see him take on guys like that we've talked about on this show, like Hiromu Takahashi. You'll see him take on, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but El Desperado when he was a young boy, you'll see him, uh, take on, uh, Takaake Watanabe, who is now known as evil. And on each of these world tag league prelims, Taka just stretches the fuck out of these three kids. Who were all young lions at the same time? They were right before Tanaka and Kamatsu. It was those three guys. It was El Desperado. It was uh, Evil, and it was uh, it was uh, those three guys were uh, young lions together and Taka just stretched the shit out of them. So keep an eye on that. You might not want to skip Taka versus Kawato because he might stretch the shit out of this poor kid in the opener the way he did to those three. And that's always uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we've got Gato, Goto, Jado, and Yoshihashi against Juice Robinson, Juice and Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata. Look, it's an eight man tag. It's the third match on the show. What I find interesting here to watch, though, is Juice Robinson and Hiroki Goto. Juice eliminated him from the elimination match, which could be a clue that they're going to keep this thing going a little further. What do you think the chances are that Juice beats Goto again? Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. To set up another match. Now,
0: I'd say pretty high. I mean, I I guess. Yeah, he proved that, you know, he couldn't beat him this time. But, you know, Juice, we said that the story of that match was that Juice was was not far away. So, yeah, maybe he does get another quick little win here. Because otherwise, I don't see what else can really happen in this match. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at There's a lot of beatable names in it. Yeah, but, like, when you think of of story, unless, I I guess the idea. So, if they're going to do something, that would be. If they just want to have a random match where, where Tiger Mask pins Gato or whatever, you could do that. But when you look at, like, stories that you can build off of this match, if that's what they want to do, there's really not much else other than Juice and, and Goto, right? There's not.
1: That's the only story I mean, going
0: on. I mean, Yoshihashi beating Yuji Nagata or whatever. Like You know what I mean? Like, there's not going to happen. There's no yeah. other story to tell. There's nothing else. So I guess if it's a throwaway match, it's a throwaway match. But if they have the idea of let's do something in this match, yeah, Juice and, and Goto make sense one way or another, whether Juice pins Goto or maybe even Goto pins Juice and, and officially says, you're not in my league. Right, I don't know. Right,
1: but my whole thing is, why have Juice win the elimination match? Not only win the elimination match, but eliminate Goto as the final elimination right, if you're right. not going to carry something forward here. And that could just mean, that may not even, you know what, that could mean a, oh, I was going to say a New Japan Cup first round match, but Goto won't be in that if he's a champion, right? So uh, that throws that out the door. Right, but uh, yeah. but you'd think that something they would do. So- I'll tell you what they did. They did a good job not tipping off finishes with the Osaka card because you put these two guys in a random eight man and then the match we're going to talk about now, Beretta, Okada, and Rocky Romero against Minoru Suzuki, Taichi... And Yoshinobu Kanemoru Taichi, of course, replacing Desperado, as this basically entire card has gotten changed, other than like three matches from what it originally was. Yeah, it got
0: changed a few uh, earlier in the week too. I yeah. mean, this this is the updated card. This is you know after it got decimated once already. So
1: which uh, which we should probably update our preview if you didn't publish it yet since the
0: whole uh, no, we, we it is it is currently being discussed in our Slack chat right now. <laughs> okay, <so>. we got to <laughs> figure that out. Mr. Okay. Mr. Aaron Bentley is working on it right oh, now. Oh, he is. So.
1: Okay, so then nice. I'll go do my portion when we're done, and we'll we'll get the proper card up there. Um. So yeah. All right. But anyway, so Okada and Suzuki are on opposite sides here. And again, I don't think their issues over, Rich, because Suzuki. Oh hell. And not. I know you didn't see the match. I'm gonna say something to you, and you're gonna think I'm making it up. Suzuki eliminated Okada over the top rope with the knee bar in the elimination match.
0: <laughs> no. How? I,
1: tell listen, me. you're going to have to watch how it yourself because I can't possibly no. describe it. What? How? <laughs> this motherfucker, Suzuki, went into that elimination match. First of all, he used the knee bar repeatedly on Trent. And again, it was another great Beretta performance. This guy is on fire every match. And I'll tell you how Beretta's doing it and why nobody's noticing. It's with his selling. This guy's a selling machine this year in 2017. So Suzuki was just torturing Beretta with this knee bar the entire match. He gets Okada in there, and by the way, this Okada selling performance was without flaw. You can find flaws in the Sapporo match. You cannot find flaw in Okada's performance. in this. He was Chris Masters-level great selling the leg in this match, which is why I think if you go back and watch anything from that show, you need to watch this. Even though it a great match or anything like that, the performance of Okada and, 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 the, and the performance of Beretta is worth going back to watch that elimination match. The elimination match with Juice... And and Goto on opposite sides was the better match. But this match had better, the better individual performances. Suzuki had Okada in the knee bar and somehow he went over the top rope and eliminated. I, I can't even <laughs> – <laughs> What? I don't, okay, I so that. here's what I think happened. I think they both tumbled over the top, landed like on the apron, like as a tease. And then okay. Suzuki put the knee bar on him on the apron. And then just while he was in the knee bar, just flung him off the apron, like by his legs. And that's how Okada
0: got okay, okay, okay.
1: dispatched from the mat. Because I
0: was going to say, Suzuki had to then be eliminated too, but okay, that makes sense. He was not.
1: That he was not. So, uh, I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, that's the other, and I think we've covered every match. Yeah, because then the, mat, the show closes with the five title matches. So we'll say I have some work to do. After,
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, sorry. But.
1: After we're done with this podcast. Uh, Rich, I'm going to tell you about Mac Weldon. Did you know that Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping? Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Yeah, they, don't, they don't want your dirty underwear. And like we it's like to it. say, every time they are not taking back your dirty, stained <laughs> underwear, you may keep them. No que- truly no questions asked. <laughs> right. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going out, going out on dates, or just everyday life. Go to MackWeldon.com. And get twenty percent off using promo code VO Wrestling. That's a new promo code. That's V O Wrestling. Do not use the old promo code. I know for a fact that some of you guys have purchased Mac Weldon via the old promo code. It is now V O Wrestling. V O Wrestling Mac Weldon.
0: Uh Good Valentine's Day gift as well. Yeah, for yourself. For yourself, you know, if you if your lady forgot about you or, or you know, you don't have a lady, buy yourself some nice underwear. 20%. Get a lady, wear those sweatpants. Joe can tell you that hoodie, it was over in the uh,
1: I listen territory,
0: right? In, in San Antonio, it that, was way over. I
1: wish I could tell you that, but I am oh. I am never over in the Blanchard territory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're just not good, you just don't work I, there. Listen,
1: some guys just can't work some territories. I am never over Blanchard,
0: Blanchard territory. Ter- yeah, that's huh. I
1: get completely shut out in the Blanchard territory. <laughs> And this
0: has happened multiple times. Multiple too, right? times.
1: Yeah. I sat in that ROH parking lot that one time after that <laughs> Death Before Dishonor or whatever the fuck it was. Nothing, Rich. I swiped for like an hour until it wouldn't let me swipe anymore. And not a <laughs> your
0: phone app. just locked up. Yeah, yeah the
1: the, the app home. just locked up and said, it's no. a "Go home." Yeah, it's the over. app said you're out of swipes. Get on the highway and go home. I just I cannot. I do not do well in the Blanchard territory. I don't know what it is. Even the MacWeldon hoodie didn't help.
0: Do you, do you ever think of just walking down the river and just kind of waiting, you know, finding a, a lady and just go down to the river walk? Yeah, go to the river walk. You yeah, know, it's, to... it's lame it's... as hell, but you know, stick your hand out, maybe someone will grab your hand and. You can...
1: Most people are already paired up down there. I did, I did take a girl to the river walk for an entire weekend once. Ooh. I'm a romantic man, Rich. When I need to be, you see, so I did do the river walk thing. That's lame, romantic though. That river walk. I, oh, she there. enjoyed that. I yeah, that got... Well, she's lame then. That so was that, over. That, that, all right. I, that time I got over into Blander territory. Okay. <laughs> that was a that, that hotel room looked like a crime scene about eight hours later. Okay. So I, I was over that uh, you did not have, to, you didn't have but, to tell me that. Well, I mean, you know, it's you claimed it was lame, but it definitely worked. Um there's a actually there's a uh, there's a water park down there. Uh it's called Schlitterbahn. Okay? It's it's like No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a German. it's a German gimmick. It's called Schlitterbahn. It's not
0: that's Wiener Schnitzel. You're thinking of Wiener Schnitzel.
1: No, I am not. I am thinking okay. Schlitterbahn Water Park in New Braunfels, Texas. Okay, <laughs> so part two of the date was I was taking her to Schlitterbahn. Okay, so
0: you at a water park does not sound good. No, funny. but I
1: didn't want to go. She wanted
0: because you, yeah, exactly. Because you sound like a pain in the ass at water a water park. Parks, you're bitching about yeah, you're bitching about your feet and like waiting in lines and you're hot and you're water You, parks, you would be a pain in the ass being at a because they
1: stink. I don't. They're go. not great. I agree. I agree. They're not There's great. Little kids everywhere. I can't kick the feeling. I don't care how much chlorine you use. I can't kick the feeling. Oh, there's piss it's everywhere. Unsanitary. Yeah, it's sanitary. Tough. I mean, there's little kids pissing in the water. There's, you know, dirty people going down the water slide. I, I just I, – I'm creeped out by the whole idea of public pools and water parks. But I'm a gentleman, Rich, and the lady wanted to go to the water park. So we drove three hours to New Braunfels, uh, Texas, And we pull up to Schlitterbahn, and did you ever see the movie Vacation, Rich?
0: Oh, no, it's
1: closed. Schlitterbahn was not open, Rich. So I, of course, uh, sold it like I was disappointed. But there was a happy Joe Lanza on the inside who couldn't have been more thrilled that we pulled up to Wally World and the gates were closed. I was so happy. So we went back to the hotel. You know, and then came up with some alternate plans, and then we did the Riverwalk deal and, you know, the fucking – all the touristy shit. The Alamo. You look, if you're gonna go to San, oh, the Alamo sucks. The Alamo yeah, stinks. Was the worst. That was the it's worst. It's so boring. I walked up there and I said, "This,"
0: because I walked like a few blocks. Like my hotel was was quite a few blocks away, but I was like, "Whatever, I'll walk." And it was hot as shit. I mean, it was August or whatever. But I wanted to walk because I was like, you know, let me let me let me breathe in the town. Let me feel the town of San Antonio or whatever. Well, hey, I didn't pass anything, and then I get to the fucking Alamo, and I'm like, "That's it.
1: This fucking thing is it." Massive letdown.
0: And then I turn around and like Ripley's Believe It or Not is behind me. And I'm like, fuck this area. And I just got I walked Yeah, walk it's in. right across
1: the street. It's, th- it's yeah. I got some
0: delicious Mexican food
1: though. directly so. across the street is the Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's 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 almost perfect. Yeah, it, yeah. That's a much better attraction than the uh than the the Alamo, which I don't even like the Alamo, it's like, all right. I didn't
0: Well, then I like walked up and I thought like is that the facade and there's
1: like something behind well, it is. and I'm there's like looking. There is that open yard where it's like, yeah, but who cares? Like I walked up and I'm like, oh, oh. Okay, it's like... you don't even feel the history when you're in it. You know what I mean? No. like it, Yeah, it's not, exactly. Yeah. There, sometimes you go to these historical sites, and it's not all that exciting. But you kind of the air is thick with history. Not the Alamo. It just feels like you're in a fucking like Adobe structure. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's very dusty. Um, it just, it, there's nothing to it. You're just, <coughs> you're in a fort yeah, from 1860 or whatever the fuck.
0: Right. And it's been a fort that's basically knocked down, too. <laughs> I mean,
1: they got their asses kicked. The thing is, was- yeah,
0: exactly. It's a shitty it, fort. It's not
1: even a good
0: <laughs> It didn't work.
1: <laughs> Obviously, it was not an effective fort. Okay. So, and then it's like, then you go behind it into like the yard area, and it's clearly not how it was in like eight. What year was this Alamo battle? Yeah, I don't 1860 know. 1860 or something? I I Who died there? Up. Like, all those dudes. Da- Daniel <laughs> Boone. Who else died there? Uh, fucking... Didn't, didn't uh, Stephen F. Austin die at the Alamo? Uh, I'm not uh, quite sure. I think done. I could... Let's see. I, I know... I think Daniel... That's, Boone,
0: that's your state, buddy. I don't know.
1: Daniel Boone, Stephen F. Austin... Uh, didn't,
0: uh... The Battle of the Alamo was March 6th, 1836.
1: 1836. 1830- okay, Davy Crockett. Didn't he die in the Alamo? Because they all died, right? Uh...
0: Um, that I don't know.
1: God, I, I, no, I killed them all. Santa Ana, right? He killed everybody. We went. We should have, we should know. I mean, didn't you read the shit?
0: No, I just fucking walked up. And I walked didn't away. read it either.
1: But I think. <laughs> so this is. Stupid. Who's the guy who invented the fucking coon hat? Uh, Davy Crockett. I'm pretty sure he died in the Alamo. I don't think that's I'm true. pretty sure Daniel Boone died in the Alamo. I'm pretty sure any of these. Is... I don't think any of this. I'm pretty is sure true. Stephen F. Austin died
0: in the. Alamo. All right, let me see. Daniel Boone, Alamo. Uh, didn't the famous Dan? Okay, here we go. Die at the Alamo. Let's, let's just find pull out. up
1: the Alamo and look at the.
0: No, it's it wasn't in the Wikipedia. For How the Alamo. is the
1: Alamo not in Wikipedia?
0: No, Daniel Boone wasn't in the Alamo Wikipedia. Well, then I'm
1: probably wrong about that.
0: I think you're wrong about Austin too. He's not in there either. Stephen F. Who was the other? You had Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, and
1: Stephen F. Austin. I...
0: Yeah, I got nothing for any of those.
1: Are oh, those are all? No. Those are all swing and misses. All three of them. Uh, yeah. Is that possible? So you,
0: you're, yeah, we're not gonna do a history podcast anytime
1: soon. Because yeah, I they, don't know they... if this is true. Okay, how about Jim? Okay, famous people who died. James okay. Bowie definitely died in the Alamo. The guy who invented the Bowie knife. He's got to be one of them.
0: Okay, so this other website says that Davy Crockett, James Bowie, and and William B. Travis are a few of the famous people who died at the well, Alamo. I got though.
1: Crockett and Bowie.
0: I, 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 why did the Wikipedia not have that on there? Doesn't it seem like something they should have?
1: It really does. It should have The Wikipedia should have people who died in the Al- I mean
0: yeah, it should be just like its own little dropout. Like, okay, let's 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 go to Davy Crockett's Wikipedia page and look up Alamo. Is
1: Davy Crockett? Okay, yeah,
0: died died at March sixth, eighteen 1836. Yeah, so you're, you're not you're not wrong. There it's you Davy go,
1: Davy Crockett, the coonskin hat guy, right?
0: Yep, that is him. All
1: right, and Bowie died, right?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen F. Austin. I don't believe
1: it. No, Stephen F. Austin.
0: No, Stephen F. Austin. But but let me let me confirm that. Let me go to old Stephen F. Austin. Where's that university? Old Stephen F. Austin University.
1: It's in uh yeah it's uh Huntsville.
0: Okay. Um uh, yeah, I think he was at the Alamo. he did not die at the Alamo. Oh, he so,
1: survived yeah. it, huh?
0: He survived, yeah. He was there. Yeah, he lived to uh oh, he died that later that year, but no he uh he's he was apparently he was. There, that wasn't
1: far so. off then. At least he was in the building. Oh well, he got the
0: same birth death year, so I guess that's
1: how did you know. he fucking survive it? That's what I I thought they all got killed. I don't know. I feel like I'm forgetting some famous people who were killed in the Alamo. <laughs> Even though I, you ripped me, but I did pretty good there because I you did not I nailed, bad. Yeah, I nailed okay. three of them, and the other guy, the other guy was there at least. At least he.
0: Yeah, James James Bowie and then William B. Travis.
1: Oh, he was the. I think he was the lead commander, Travis.
0: Okay, there you go. So see, you you did learn a little bit on your little date.
1: I must have. You're
0: bored out of your mind. So you just read every plaque that I, I was
1: going to say Custer, but obviously he died.
0: In... <laughs> I don't you know he that died was... in a
1: completely different battle. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't say that one. Um, but that, that's, you know, I didn't do a bad job. And Santa Ana was definitely the Mexican. Uh...
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, that, that I do know for a fact. So having been to San Diego many times I, I, that I can confirm is correct. So
1: why is Santa Ana big?
0: It's a big deal there, I think. It's yeah, deal they... in San
1: Diego, huh? Yeah. Big fan of his there?
0: Oh, am I? Or are they? Like San
1: Diego uh, natives. Oh,
0: yeah. I think I believe they Why do they
1: know. like Santa Ana so much? I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I just know there's a town named Santa Ana. I believe it's named after him. So.
1: Oh, it's near San Diego.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, right.
1: So I feel right. like there are a bunch of traders. Like, he was, he was like, you, you gotta, you gotta be like a fan of Davy Crockett, not Santa Ana, right? No. Yeah, Unless you are pretty down there.
0: I mean, that, that Santa Ana pretty, pretty close to the, uh,
1: <laughs> but Davy Crockett seems like a decent guy, right? And he invented the hat and everything.
0: He did pretty good. I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't know him personally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you never met Mr. Crockett.
0: I did not meet, I met, <laughs> nor, I didn't meet Jim Crockett. I haven't met Davy Crockett. I never met any of the Crockett's, so.
1: Do you ever use a Bowie knife?
0: knife? Uh you know I don't know if I know what a Bowie knife is. I
1: couldn't tell you what it is either. <laughs> I was gonna no, say, that's gonna say, Mister
0: Handyman. Let's let's look this bad boy up. Um, this is terrible radio, something... by the way. No, I've never used a Bowie knife. I'm looking at it now. No.
1: Don't you use it to, like gut an animal or something?
0: Yeah, like what would I ever use that for? Like, like clean my gutters out with this shit? No, I'm not cutting anything with it. I have like dull steak knives to cut, you know, shitty steak. I don't do it. <laughs> cut animals the hell out of here. Okay, elimination chamber.
1: Elimination Chamber would be next, yes. Yeah. So let's see. We got Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday, Rich. Hopefully, everyone will have listened to the show by then. Um, most people listen by Sunday, right? We, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We,
0: mostly Friday, mostly Friday and Saturday.
1: Here's what jumped out at me about this show: there are three female singles matches on. The show. Yeah. We always say. That we, we if you're going to go full on with uh, women's wrestling in this company, you've got to do something other than just title programs. The SmackDown has done a much better job, and Raw's starting to get there too with doing uh, programs among the women that don't involve the title. And there are three such matches on this show. Alexa Bliss defends against Naomi. That just screams like challenger of the month to me. I don't think Alexa Bliss is going to lose the title to Naomi. We've got Nikki Bella versus Natalya as they continue their feud. And we've got Becky Lynch against Mickie James, which has also been a bit of a heated feud. So three women's matches, singles matches – on this pay per view on the main show, has this company ever done that? I have to say no.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb and say no. I mean, this is, I mean, God, look at we, we talked about it, we talk about it all the time when we talk about the women here. And, and and we said it, you know, years ago about Sasha Banks, where before she even stepped foot in a WWE ring, quote unquote, a WWE ring, she was already the best women's wrestler in, in, in that company's history. That, that you know, in terms of in ring output in WWE slash NXT or whatever, I mean, this, this company just never has done anything with, with women uh, on any level. Close to this. I mean, there's. I. I don't. I, I'm not. Gonna, I, I haven't looked it up, but I. I'd be stunned if there was any event that had three singles women's matches. I'm, i mean, twenty years. It was. It was. It was Sable, Deborah, and you know Ashley Massaro, and you know what I mean. Like that. That's. That's the history. Tori Wilson and Stacy. And they weren't doing singles matches with those girls.
1: No. Every now and then, you know, there was that Trish Stratus, Lita, Mickey. But even James then, sort of then, that's one. Yeah. And or, yeah. then one you had match.
0: Oh, right, and then you had even your Molly's and, and and your Victorias sure. and those. And there were little bits here and there, but then it was just them, and then that was it. And they'd
1: get three minutes anyway.
0: Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I I don't know because I haven't looked it up, but I would be stunned if there was another example of that ever that ever happening. Yeah,
1: so that jumps out at me when I look at this card. I worry about the Alexa bliss Naomi match. I worry about that match a lot. Alexa Bliss has really been exposed on the main roster when put into situations where she's asked to work a longer match. She had that match against Becky Lynch. Uh, what was it the tables match? I believe it was where it just fell apart um and and they looked lost and I put a lot more stock into Lynch as a worker than I do Bliss for obvious reasons, so i 've got to put it on her uh as the reason that match fell apart. I think Bliss does great character work i I just don 't think she 's there in the ring yet, and Naomi is someone who uh just does tremendously athletic things, but again. She also has a reputation of things falling apart in her mat. This, this, I'm not saying it's going to be ugly, I'm saying it has a chance to be yeah if one
0: thing goes wrong, this whole thing's going to fall apart that 's you know, your No, this problem match with these is too. a house of yeah. cards
1: and if if you knock out that one of them bottom cards, the bottom is going to fall out on this match
0: yeah and if they if they have five minutes left to go in their time queue they 're just going to look at each other and go oh no i don 't know what to I do.
1: could see this being one of those matches where some things go wrong and then they get lost, and they don 't know how to recover because I think a big thing with green wrestlers. Is where you get lost in a spot or something doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And then you're just, you know, you, you just get lost and you don't know what to mm-hmm. do for 40 seconds. So I definitely could see that. I'm not worried about Nikki Bella versus Natalia at all. It's going to be fun. Oh, God. no, That's be And good. Mickey James versus Becky Lynch has the potential to be excellent. I mean, I, but that match just jumps out at me as it has the chance to be very ugly. So I'm a little.
0: Is it, is it wild if I say that Becky Lynch and Mickey James will be the best match on this entire show?
1: It, it, has, it could be, yeah. I mean, it, might, it has a chance to be, yes. Now, the Elimination Chamber matches, they can go either way. That can be an awesome match, or we've seen Elimination Chamber matches that make no impression on people.
0: Yeah, exactly. and it's actually kind of funny. I, went, I did that article, though. It's up on the website right now, looking at the history of the Elimination Chamber matches, like looking at some stats or whatever, and looking at star ratings and even cage match ratings. There's a few that do well, but there's not really. I mean, you'd be surprised that even Dave, who, who loves his WWE gimmicks, He's only going four and a quarter with any elimination, and that was the best of the best. Is four and a quarter. And Dave likes that. Time. Time's... he loves that. Exactly. Time. Right. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're you're like three three and a half. Mm-hmm.
1: They're for, low they're, end four. They're largely I mean, forgettable.
0: I mean that, that that and that's the thing. Like I I enjoy them. They're fun, but when it's all said and done, you don't go, wow, that was a spectacular exactly. match. Because yeah. the the format doesn't really lend itself to a spectacular it does match. Not. There's... There's a lot of little fun spots here and there, but. It doesn't lend itself to an, oh, my God, what did I just see? That was incredible. Too many
1: people in a small space.
0: Right, exactly. And, and the timing, cues, and these sort of th- like Too much stuff happens, yeah. And, 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 and the elimination factor comes into play. So, I mean, given the talent that's in this one with Cena, Styles, Ambrose, and Miz, you know, all those guys I think are, are, are fantastic, so that, that's a good little crop to have. But I, it, it, they, I, I'm, just, I'm just setting expectations that they don't always blow you away. And very rarely, they leave people disappointed. That's
1: right. You could,
0: And that's not not just Dave, but us, too. I mean, read any review and go back in your history of looking at Illumination sure. Chambers. I mean, a lot of times when it's all said and done, you go, eh, yeah, You I don't mean, even remember a bad.
1: lot of them. And, <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> you, kinda... you can tell a good story in these maps. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good match. That's the other thing, too. Um, it's, you know So uh, you're right. I mean, the tag, again, the tag team turmoil, there's like 19 fucking teams in this thing. That could just be a mess. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun. But there's a million teams. Are they are these teams going in the chamber cells because I'm,
0: No, 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 no. This is not a cell.
1: I round. saw someone tweet that and I was like, I, that can't no, be No, right. they
0: did that too. They did that in 2015. Remember that was the Kalisto uh, do a backflip off the yes. top of the chamber thing and uh, no, I I think they've realized that that's probably not a
1: great idea, so. Yeah, so I mean that could be a cluster and uh, <laughs> I guess Luke Harper, Luke that. Harper, Randy Orton could be okay. with with Orton you just never know. Orton is either going to Orton's either going to story tell you to death and bore you to tears, or he's, he's capable of going out there and having a great match show.
0: And Harper's great. So I have no doubt that Harper, will. but yeah, it, it depends what the story of that match is sure. going to be. And, if,
1: and you think Harper if... would be motivated to go out there, getting a single shot here. Oh, sure. Yeah. To go out but if it's
0: Chinlock city, you know, Randy Orton, then yeah, you know, <laughs> that's going to be a thing.
1: So and Apollo Cruz, Callisto versus Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it's a two on one match with two baby faces and one heel. It's going to be very gimmicky. Um, is there any way for Cruz and Callisto to not look bad in this?
0: Situation? <laughs> no. And I, they're probably going to lose, right? I mean, e-
1: even if they win, I
0: mean, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, yeah, we beat them. I'm like,
1: two baby faces beating
0: <laughs> <throat> right. Yeah. Screw you, Dolph. It's like, all right, well, there's two of you. Yeah. I don't understand why this.
1: I don't get it either. Unless, unless, I mean,
0: you make those guys look like idiots. I unless mean, unless one
1: of them's turning. Hmm.
0: But eh, Apollo yeah. Cruz
1: has no momentum as a baby face. Now,
0: but he's a I, don't know I, he's a I listen, athlete. he's
1: like yeah. the he's like the the exactly what a baby face should be. Right. Like, but he's going nowhere right now as a face. I could see them turning him here because here's why. Callisto is the perfect guy for a spot like this because he's a guy who, like we talked about with Coato, he garners a lot of sympathy very easily, right? So if Cruz turns on him here and Cruz and Ziggler just beat the shit out of Callisto, that would be a good angle to get Cruz over as a heel, right? I mean, if that's what they're thinking. I'm just thinking outside the box here because I'm thinking to myself, Rich. Why are you doing a two-on-one, two baby faces versus a heel?
0: Yeah, I mean something's up. I mean that—that's that, right. you can't come away with this thinking that something's up. And I think, and, uh, and just looking
1: at Cruz's up. momentum, I think it makes sense. I don't think turning Callisto heel makes sense at all. No, 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 no. That'd be bad. And then maybe you have an Apollo Cruz, Dolph Ziggler sort of, you know, heel buddy thing going on. You know,
0: like it might work. I mean, it, it, it could be one of these situations we talk about with Neville, where it's like, wow, well, geez, he should never be a heel, and it's like, oh, maybe he's okay. And then at he's it. the it's
1: greatest heel of all time, right? You know? Yeah, I, 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 I feel
0: out. like Cruz might not be, but we'll, we'll see him. Mean, if they, what sucks is that the guy is just tailor made for just you. You, it's so easy with he him. Really, you know what I mean? Too, but they can't figure it, it out. So it. it's too easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> but like they're not gonna do it so or they just don't know what they have so yeah maybe go go for it do whatever but though. that's true yeah
1: early in his career very early in his career didn't he work a little bit of heel for uh or was he not early to usa was he a heel i can't remember
0: i'm trying to remember back what he was dragon
1: gate he came in as a heel didn't he in the very um... beginning before he joined monster express i'm almost positive he was a heel like,
0: yeah i don't recall was... what he did exactly I, then, I, but it, it's certainly been a while I mean he, he's he's certainly established But yeah I, I get, why not I mean there's got to be something up There's no reason to have a 2-on-1 handicap match With two baby faces and one heel So Are you feverishly looking this up
1: I, I'm almost positive he came into draft I
0: don't even know how you're going to be able to even look that up
1: uh, That's easy you just go to uh, let's see uh,
0: uh, <laughs> More adventures and googling On the Voices of Rising podcast.
1: Oh may, maybe not He debuted as uh, Akira Tozawa's tag partner Against Cyber yeah, Kong I'm- and Don Fuji no, oh, it definitely wasn't a. And he challenged BB B. Hulk for the title. I remember that now. Oh no, no, no! That's that was his return. Yeah, yeah, yeah! He was Blood Warriors when he came in.
0: I knew he was. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't. I, I don't know if I remember that.
1: Yeah, remember he beat. He was winning squash matches early. He was beating like. Um, when Kotoka was a young boy and, and he was just beating them very quickly. He was winning squash matches. He was okay. he was in Blood Warriors. And then he didn't go face until um uh the, like uh, Monster Express formed, I believe. So yeah, but he was definitely a heel. He, he might have been in Mad Blanky for a while too. He did he was. He was in Mad Blanky with Tazawa. Yeah, so he's been a heel before, but it was very early in his career. But I, I just – I kind of – I smell a rat there, Rich. Something's got to be up with that match. Yeah, I mean it's it's too weird not to be. So. so anyway, that's the undercard, and then we have the Elimination Chamber match, which most people feel Bray Wyatt's going to come out of, right? I mean
0: – Yeah, I think that – I mean with Orton, with Orton, Orton
1: having that, the, the – which again, which means you might have some kind of bullshit finish in this match too, some kind of – overly heavily gimmicked finish because who knows bray wyatt might summon another spirit or possess another child or
0: yeah maybe a child maybe sister abigail pull another magic
1: trick out of his ass or something something that we're we're going to hate um but you know so that could mitigate whatever's going on in terms of the quality of this match too so you could be onto something is there a chance becky lynch and mickey james could be the best match i think you're Mm -hmm. right i think there is a chance for that absolutely will it be I you know I wouldn't put my confidence any higher than fifty fifty, but that's that's pretty confident though all things considered. That that yeah. it, it depends how much time they get to. It depends if
0: yeah. Oh, there's a lot of
1: factors. A lot. Yeah, a ton there. of factors. But uh, that's a pretty deep undercard too because the chamber matches are usually pretty long, right? At least
0: they're very. I mean, it's gonna be an hour. Either, oh, an hour? You think?
1: Chamber.
0: Okay. I yeah, I think them, they usually. So I don't... Yeah, they come in fairly long. I guess I should have looked I, – I didn't look at the time. I should. That's actually a very good thing that I should have done is, is the match length. But, yeah, I think they, they come at like – I think the low end was like – well, whatever that December to December. but I don't even count that one because that one was like – super. that one was shockingly quick or whatever. But uh, the rest of them, I think, are um, – they're somewhere in the 30-plus range. Let, let me look. I, I can look it up real quick uh, to make sure. But, but they're longer. I mean, that one's going to get a ton of time. We've got a six-match so.
1: undercard here. So, um, you know, the matches could get a decent amount of time. Who knows? But uh, you'd think something, something here would get cut, and you'd think that they would look right to the women's matches if they were going to cut time on something, because that's, yeah. uh, that's what they do. Um, well, how long was last year's, for example?
0: Oh, last year's elimination chamber. Is that what
1: you're looking up? Yeah,
0: yeah that's what I'm going to check out.
1: Um, so give us a little ballpark here.
0: Yeah, well, let's see. Let look at 2013. That was one of the... Um, one of the big time ones because last year was kind of weird because you had like the, the, um, I don't even, I don't tash even tash remember ones. it, honestly. Yeah. It, it was like the, t- well, they didn't have one in 2016. Uh, it was 2015.
1: Was oh, that's, time. well, I can't remember something that didn't exist. So, yeah, exactly. That would...
0: So, uh, so this is 2013 Elimination Chamber. This was like Jack Swagger defeating Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Kane, Mark Henry, and Randy Orton. Uh, that one was 31 minutes and that was on the undercard. This was, uh, uh, elimination chamber 2013 and apparently the rock and cm punk were a match as well from that yeah, i remember that oh, i do remember that okay.
1: yeah we didn't like that match as a matter of fact remember uh, didn't uh i think the rock gassed out in that match didn't he
0: was that the one or was that royal
1: rumble
0: i think that was royal rumble we gassed out but uh so it looks like okay so i'm looking at this this is elimination chamber 2011 so there were two on this match they both were 31 minutes 33 so
1: they're half hour matches
0: yeah, so about half hour. I, I wonder if this one's going to get a little bit more, though, because there is only the one Elimination shaver match on this show. Yeah. But but who knows? Yeah, I could. There'll be shenanigans too with Bray Wyatt. You, you know that. And that, that's a problem. I guess, like, in your mind, is there any chance that anybody else wins but Bray Wyatt? Maybe this is kind of the, the, the quote-unquote smart fan in us or whatever. But, I mean, I, there's no way AJ Styles wins. There's no way The Miz wins. There's no way Baron Corbin wins. And I don't think John Cena retains. Right? No, I mean like, with,
1: with Orton winning. I
0: mean, there's no other option, right? Like,
1: with Orton winning the Rumble, what other story is there to tell?
0: That's what I mean. Like, there's no. That's part of it too. Is I I don't have much interest. And wasn't because...
1: Bray Wyatt left off at of WrestleMania last year?
0: Yes, yeah, he was.
1: So I mean, you know, and they like him a lot. They're not going to leave him off because if he doesn't win this, then what do you do with him at WrestleMania? His natural program is Orton, and and Orton is facing Luke Harper, who just turned on those. And look, it, Wyatt's winning this match.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm trying to.
1: I know. I know you're just trying to. You know.
0: <laughs> There's got to be something, but
1: no, finagle probably. something here. Now, here's the thing, and this is a point I wanted to bring up too. We always pick on these w. We we preview these shows, and we're always so down on them. Then they're always fucking awesome. These no, we always we always say the in
0: ring is great. The stories leading into them aren't, aren't always the best, and they don't give us the most excited. But the matches themselves are great. We, that's why we said the roster is fucking so talented. These
1: WWE pay per views have delivered consistently for what, like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen months. I mean, they just they just. This bang out. I mean, every now and then you get someone, the, but for the most part, all of these WWE pay-per-views have been excellent. And we, we when we preview them, we're sullen. We're like, uh one to ten. And we give everything like four, and then the, these shows happen, and 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 then we do nothing but praise them. Looking at this one though, I think this could be one of those shows where we're not, you know, shoveling praise onto it because there's a lot of holes here where. You know, the tag team turmoil could be a mess, and a two-on-one handicap, there's something up. Three women's matches, one of which looks like it could be a disaster on paper. Elimination Chamber matches are never so hot. So this could be a WWE pay-per-view that doesn't deliver in the ring, I think more so than some of the other ones that we've uh, seen over the last few months.
0: I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say. But uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I'm, I, I guess part of my thing is...
0: Like I'm saying, these Elimination Chambers and you have this idea of oh it's a big time gimmick matches, but they're not really that good. So I guess that's part of my reservation is is, you know, reading the card, I'm going, Okay, cool, it's Elimination Chamber match. And I guess if you like Elimination Chamber matches and those are your thing, like you'll like the show. But I think it it, it does have a very high